Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Design Dorks. I am one of your co-hosts, the Duke of Dorks, and joining me today, as always... This is Pyrrhic Kong of Designing 4. Glad to be here at the end of a 2021 year. It sure was a 2021, wasn't it? It sure was. I remember almost none of it. I remember more than I care to. Since it's the end of the year, and like it's that time of the year of like game boards are happening, and everyone's getting their like game of the year articles out there. We thought like let's do a let's do a retrospective of all the games that we played this year. Yeah, and admittedly, we didn't play many from 2021. We played some, but just the reality of video creation is you gotta submit to what your audience is looking for and what is comfortable with and what builds on what you've made before. So we have a lot of comfort picks. We have a lot of things that we made for videos. And then we have a couple of games that we played a little bit of, but never really finished in that. That constitutes for most of the games I played this year that actually came out in 2021. Uh, it's the same, same. I think I finished three that came out this year. I did two, but they all have asterisks on them that are either this is a new version, this game came out in the very last week of 2020, or this game is Deltarune. I was just about to say, like, does that count? That's like right. three hours. I enjoyed it more than most yeah, of the games, but we'll talk about it, that soon. It was five hours, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be a very casual conversation today. No tier lists or, like, this isn't like a game of the year show. We're just we're just talking about the games we played and what we enjoyed yeah. about them and what we didn't. Before we get started to go into depth, are there any games this year that you really wanted to play, but either only got a little bit of the way into, uh, not quite as much to have, like, a bunch of me on the bone to talk about, or just didn't get to play at all? Uh, let's see. Uh, Psychonauts 2 just stands out as just a massive loss for me. Same here. Just like, I... I want to play that game so badly. I love that sort of sense of humor. It looks like a fantastic 3D platformer, but I just... I want to play the first one first, and that much of a time commitment has just been too daunting to try to tackle. It's understandable. To my um, knowledge, it is a direct sequel, and by direct sequel, I mean, like, takes place two days after the events of Psychonauts. So, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I definitely want to... I'll get to it someday, but I have a list of, like, 50 games that I feel that way about. Likewise. I will pick it up when I get my Xbox Series X for the sole purpose of owning Rare Replay, and then Psychonauts <laughs> 2 will just happen to be there. Yeah, happy accident. Uh, I've also, after watching Arcane, I've been getting more interested in, like, the League storylines, and there's been a no. couple of... I will plant my flag and say that League of Legends actually has some fantastic lore. It does. The game itself but sucks. You don't have to say the League word. You can say the Rune Terra universe. You're safe to do that. <laughs> okay, that's fair. But, like, there's that Ruined King game. I've been kind of interested in trying that. That okay. rhythm game looks fun. Because Arcane is, Arcane is so good. Arcane is so good. Like, I can't give it the Game of the Year award, but that was the best thing that I experienced involving video games this year. Uh, what about you? Any games that you wanted to play but just couldn't get around to? Yeah, I have plenty. I actually have several sitting on my desk that I just don't have opened yet. Um, Super Monkey Ball, uh, Banana... Was it Banana Blitz HD? No, no, no. It's Banana Mania. I... That's it. Yes. That's yes. the new one. Uh, I haven't gotten the chance. I love Monkey Ball. I just haven't gotten to it. Neo, The World Ends With You. I 
didn't like the original at all in its gameplay, but I loved its story and its slow uh, character development, and its style is fantastic, and I want to support that series because evidently the sales have not been great for it. Shimigami Tensei 3 Nocturne HD, still want to go through that. My copy of it that I had as a kid, oh, no, as a teen or whatever, uh, had an error where it would crash every single time I tried to teleport using a save point, and that's required oh, in no. the story. So, I let me tell you, I played the first dungeon of that game a lot. <laughs> me and Fornius, we go way back, but that's it. <sighs> But yeah, and uh, probably the biggest omission for me is uh, Metroid Dread. I did not get the chance to go through that this year, and I really, I will, really want to. I will support that is your biggest omission. I agree. <laughs> like, full disclosure, I don't really like Super Metroid that much. I think it's- That's fine, it, I'm in the same boat. It's immaculately designed. I don't like the way Samus controls in it. Same, same. But even then, I'll say, like, yeah, Metroid Zero Mission is an incredible game. Another Metroid 2 remake, an incredible game. Uh, Samus Returns, okay. Yeah, it's, it, it's out of groundwork. But seeing it build off of this and build off of the atmosphere of fusion, which I loved, not so much the level design, but the atmosphere of fusion is so good. Seeing that mesh all of these elements of Metroid that I like... Plus, I know it does crazy stuff with the lore that I will really like. You will. It's like, yeah, the only thing that uh, is an issue with Metroid is it came out during a time where my work schedule ramped up, and I was like, no, I need to carve out, like, a day where I do nothing but play this game. And I haven't had that in two months. That's totally understandable. And that is the way that I would argue you should play it. Like, the day it came out, I just stay up all night playing through it just it was dark the eeriness just amplified tenfold it was a wonderful experience i hope you get to try it soon i do too but yeah that is uh my general list of regrets and uh, i'd like to actually start us off with a game that technically doesn't qualify as a game of 2021 but i think it should it released uh december 25th of last year so, okay. well after announcement and game of the year season. So, you know, you make it into the 2020 category bar too late to be celebrated. Then you deserve to be celebrated a little this year. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And uh, that game is Omori. Omori. I'm actually not even familiar with that game. Uh, oh, tell me about it. It is a very interesting little game. Uh, a lot of people will probably recognize it as having the same sort of vibes as your Yumaniki, your Off, your Lisa the Painful. That sort of quirky RPG inspired by Earthbound with a dark tinge to it kind of oh, vibe. Oh, this game. Yeah, I just Googled it. I love this art style. Yes. And, um... You know, I know a lot of these games get a bad reputation just because it feels like uh, torture for the sake of it or shock value for the sake of it. And uh, in a lot of cases, it is. Sometimes it's just like, okay, the game is designed to depress me. Why would I want to play it? And now there are reasons to play it. I think that Lease is a fantastic game. I think Off was a good starting point for the genre. But I think what Omori does so well is that Everything it does is in this nostalgic reverence to childhood. 
the the whole thing is just a bunch of friends going on an adventure in this fantastic world and if, if the areas they go through feel like the areas that you would imagine as a child like we climbed a ladder and went all the way to the moon and there's a bunch of junk on the moon and there's an evil space pirate but he's heartbroken because his girlfriend broke up with him oh no space boyfriend <laughs> what are you going to do and it's just a lot of fun going through it there's a boss that uh, is a literal loan sharks, as in it is a shark in a suit. His name is Mr. Jossum. <laughs> I, I don't have anything further to elaborate on there. I just love Mr. Jossum. And what it does is it just allows you this wonderful, happy world to celebrate. And at the same time, it gets to study that and go okay, where do we move on? Because these sections are treated as sort of a dream sequence compared to you wake up and you have your real life and you're a kid with depression and people have moved on and you slowly uncover the mystery of why everyone has drifted apart and what your complex feelings are and why you're so sheltered and why the world is so scary and everything is so fragmented and so much more complicated. And what I love that it does is that I feel like a trap that a lot of RPGs or games of this style uh, fall into is they make you do an action and go, Aw, don't you feel bad that you had to do that? Aren't yes. you, the player, a terrible person for doing this thing instead of putting the controller down and stopping playing game? Yeah, it's a little too heavy-handed for just those kind of messages. Almost feels like cheating to get a point across. But what I feel like good games that do this do is that can apply to a great number of players. Like, uh, the big introduction to this, or I think the big talking point of this was Spec Ops The Line when that came out in, what, 2011, 2012? Yeah, yeah. And what I love about that game and what I love about Omori is that they do have those aspects of questioning your morality as a player, but more importantly, it works on its own as a study of its main character. Like, you can still play the game, and this is just like a depressing character study of your main character who is going through these emotions, who is going through this story. You can be connected to that, but you can also disassociate from it and see it as a story that is strengthened by being a video game, but doesn't necessarily need to work because of that player investment. Like, you get to see the development and what it does and what it means for the main character as opposed to the main character just being your avatar. And I think Omori does that so incredibly well. Um, also, banger soundtrack. Really, really nice. good. Let me let me see if I can get you an example of it. One second. Yeah, this is one of the boss themes. I'll have this playing in the background during this section yep. as well, just Go so people can yeah. know what I'm about to listen yeah, to. Yeah, just imagine, listen to how hard this goes. Just go ahead. All right. Oh, pfft. It's like, okay, harpsichord, and then just the beat drops hard, and it's about to again. 
Oh my! <laughs> right? I was not expecting this from this style of game, but this is amazing. Right? And that is just one of the mini boss themes of Omori. It's got a great sense of style. It's got an amazing sense of humor. I think of all the games that are like Earthbound-like, it gets that feeling that Earthbound was going for, of that closeness and that harmony and that sort of township and that struggle of growing up. It connects the most to those ideas and I think does more with it. So I would say that if you enjoy Earthbound specifically, that this is a great evolution of it and is a lot less annoying to play. All right, Omori is going to join the, the ranks of how many games have you sent me now? The ranks of Metal Gear Solid, Mega Man X, Nier Automata, and Disco Elysium of games that I will get around to eventually out of recommendation. <laughs> but now the, now the list has gotten bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it does. Oh, I will it note that it does uh, touch on sensitive subjects. Uh, it has a warning, and that warning is very, very warranted. So do do a little bit of due diligence if you are really sensitive to, for instance, uh, thoughts of self harm, especially. But okay. that's while that is a major focus. It's not the overwhelming focus. It's just something that the game deals with. So. I, I do enjoy when games try to... I enjoy might be the wrong word, word to use there, but I do... <laughs> yeah. I like when games treat those kind of subjects with the severity they deserve. Agreed. And I think it does it nicely. And then there's also just a giant pyramid where you fight photorealistic cats called Dino Dig. <laughs> and you dig through the dirt with spoons and try to get to the top of the pyramid by finding the pyramid keys with your spoons. And I just okay. need you to know that Dino Dig is very important to me. <laughs> sure thing, sure thing. Alrighty, I've talked you off. Go ahead, hit me. Okay, let's see. Games that came out in 2021, I think... I'll start with this one, because this was an interesting experience for me. I uh, absolutely adore the Monster Hunter series. I don't think, with the exception of maybe MOBAs, I haven't put that much time into any particular series or game like thousands of hours into monster hunter it's not even close but monster hunter rise was kind of a average experience for me oh really yeah yeah which is it, it's fascinating look back looking back on why i think it's a lot of the design of the game is at fault for that well not necessarily at fault it's not a badly designed game it's just they introduced that wire bug thing, right? Where you can right. like, zipline around by grabbing onto this bug and just, it's, it's a really cool mechanic. Right, it really makes it you really feel like Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and it gives you a lot of cool um, evasive maneuvers against enemies. There's cool super moves you can use against them. The problem is the monsters haven't been given tools to match the new uh, evasive abilities that hunters have. Oh. Yes. So it creates a very... Uh, unfortunate reality where this game is significantly easier than any other Monster Hunter game I've played. Hmm. Would you say that that would open it up for beginners to enjoy it? Or would you go that this is so different and easy from the rest of the Monster Hunter series that it's kind of its own weird thing that doesn't I'd really apply? I'd say it's definitely a good starting point for beginners, but okay. it would make it difficult, I think, to go back to previous games. I see. Because so much of the evasion in Rise is based on that wire bug, which just doesn't exist in the previous games. Gotcha. 
But moreover than that, Monster Hunter has always felt this, like this, this living, breathing world to me. Uh, Monster Hunter World especially. Like, that game is one of the most beautiful games I've ever played. There's so much just random endemic life around that, like, you don't hunt it up, but there's just these bugs that'll fly by, and you can, like, get a net and catch them and bring them to a home of yours, and that's awesome. I love that. You know, you'll find just, like, random rabbits running around. It, it feels like a, well, a, a living, breathing world. That's why I've lost so many hours in it. I've gotten invested in it. Monster Hunter Rise feels like a video game arena with a, like, a world skin to it, if that makes any sense. Uh, I can Areas see you fight monsters are very flat. Mm. Uh, monsters don't always look like they belong in the environments you fight them in. Like, there's this I, I, I will, I will, like, credit where credit is due. The creature designs in the game are phenomenal. There's this, like, sumo platypus. Just a, just a big green moss, mossy platypus that's really, really big and buff. And it'll, like, grab you and just, like, slam you down like a sumo wrestler. It's fantastic. I'm interested. But you can, like, find that in ice areas, in lava areas. And it, it just... Coming off of Monster Hunter World, where every single monster felt like they... They were part of this world. Monster Hunter Rise just kind of throws that to the wind, which isn't a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. It's a more, it allows it to have more cartoonish designs. Do you think that that is a concession of it being on the Switch specifically? Because when you say it's a flat terrain and it's not populated, I'm going, oh, that's for the frame rate, isn't it? Oh, yeah, pro probably. Something like World would never work on the Switch in a million years. But I think it's also kind of partially due to the design direction of the game. Like, it's a lot heavier... Like, Monster Hunter World was very grounded in realism. Well, realism, you're fighting giant dragons, but... Rise is more, um, Japanese culture-focused. Right. Uh, a lot of yokai-designed creatures. Right. Which is... It's fine, except Monster Hunter has done that before. Mm. So it, there's a lot... It, it's still a 10 out of 10 game in my eyes. Like, I still put 60 hours into it, and I had fun the entire time. But that's 60 hours of an experience in a series that I have put in... I think I have 500 hours into Monster Hunter Iceborne. Yeah, okay. It's a bit yeah, of a drop. understood. Hopefully Sunbreak fixes that. Like, Monster Hunter World was kind of easy as well, but then Iceborne really ramped up the difficulty. So I'm hoping that Sunbreak will, like... Give some monsters that really, like, force you to use the wire bug to actually evade their attacks. I will say the final boss of Rise was very cool with that. They have, like, Tohu, like, screen-clearing effects that you had to, like, wire bug over. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. I really want to see more of that. Nice. Also, the music is fantastic. It always has been. Oh, I expect so. I love Roar Rathalos and no other songs. <laughs> oh, that, 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 that hurts my heart. <laughs> I know, that's why I said it. That's all I have to say about Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, all right, cool. Any other 2120s for you? Um, yeah. I played uh, Guilty Gear Strive this year. Nice. And uh, do I need to call it the best soundtrack of the year? Because it's the best soundtrack of the year. Like, I will not dispute that. It's fantastic. Usually, I will go down a fighting game soundtrack and I go, okay, give me the two or three character themes that I want to put on my workout playlist and move to the next strive i have two or three character themes that are not on my workout playlist and everything else is on there it is so good and i i need to just celebrate the music of it for a bit because it is so smart what they do because every character has a little bit of a genre mix with them like uh 
Happy Chaos, who I love, who is my friend. I adore him. I would give him my jacket. He has a really jazzy intro, and he mixes that cool jazz in with hard rock that is in every single uh, Guilty Gear song. So it's just that. Uh, Jacko Valentine mixes sort of Japanese pop with that. May is a lot of a more classical pop with that. Um, God, what is Potemkin? It's, it fits his character. Yeah, all of them fit the character, are in service of the character, and then evolve into Guilty Gear soundtrack. And all of them are vocal themes. And all of them are just, I, I think his name is Daisuke Ishibatari? I know it's Daisuke, but... Um, is just from his absolute love of music. And just like... To, to give context, the guy is the designer of the game, he's the main composer, and until recently, he voiced Soul Bad Guy, the main character. So he nice. loves this series. This is his baby. He loves its music. Rock and roll is in its DNA. And it goes so hard. Also, it's probably the prettiest game in ever. I totally agree. So it has that going for it, too. So presentation, this is the best game to game ever in games. The fighting game part of it is debatable for anime fans. But I like it because I have to memorize less combos because they are shorter. <laughs> and it feels crunchy. It feels good. I know it is simplified from Exerd, which I also played for the first time this year. It doesn't have Slayer. I loved Slayer, but I will move on because you know what? It has happy chaos and Robbie Damon can go like this into the microphone and say whatever he'd like. And I will eat that shit up for my entire life. Robbie Damon is absolutely killing it this Isn't year. Isn't he? I've gotten him as an AI in Halo Infinite, and it's just the best thing ever. Oh, does he talk down to you and treat you like shit? No, actually, he's like he's terrified of everything. His, also his good. Threats, and it's it's wonderful. But but to gush further on Guilty Gear Strive, it's got such a comparatively small roster. But every single one feels so unique. I know. Like you got what's what's his name? Um, Gold Gold Lewis. Yeah, uh, Gold, Gold Dick Lewis. Just carries a giant coffin. Oh, the coffin! Has an alien in it and smacks you with it, and it's amazing. No, dude, that coffin is the entirety of Area Fifty One. <laughs> and he doesn't believe that it's aliens. He thinks it's cryptids. You say aliens, and he goes, oh, no, I don't believe that. <laughs> it has a story mode, which is just a four-hour anime movie. It is very pretty. It is not well animated, but it is very pretty. And the best way that I can describe those four and a half hours I'll never get back is, imagine Independence Day. Now mix it with Die Hard. Now mix it with the end of Evangelion. I have watched bits and pieces of that, and that, so that sounds pretty accurate, yeah. The President of the United States proudly shouts football is going to save the world after confidently <laughs> nodding to his friend that brown bears don't <laughs> give birth to pandas. I don't know what that means. It is the most over-the-top anime fun bullshit that goes completely over your head unless I can sit here and explain to you what the backyard is, which I'm not gonna... <laughs> I, I have a loose understanding, but I, I don't bother. <laughs> All right. It's 
it's more complicated than Kingdom Hearts, but it makes more sense. Because at least everything has a different name. (laughs) (laughs) There is cohesion to the absurdity. When I say the word collective unconscious, then you know what that means. If I say the word Keyblade or Sora, that could mean anything. (laughs) Which one? (laughs) Are you talking about this, uh, these eight different variants or the original, but? But yeah, basically what I'm saying is Guilty Gear Strive is anime, it's a great, great fighting game, and if you just want something that unabashedly goes for it, and just loves being itself and being rock and roll over the top as much as it can be, at the very least listen to the soundtrack, but do pick the game up if you can, it's mm, mm, beautiful. I'd like it. I'd liken it to Devil May Cry 5. It just, it knows what it is, and it unabashedly loves it. Yep. I love it for that. That's, that's a great comparison. All right, and that's it for me. So, what you got? Uh, let's see. I think if there was one thing for me to gush about this year, I'm, I'm a fan of some pretty, pretty niche series that don't get a lot of love. Like, I just made the Rayman video, which just like, God, I wish... Well, I get, with how Ubisoft currently is, I guess it's better that he's not in the spotlight right now, to be perfectly honest. But <laughs> I feel that way with my fun platformer boy. <laughs> yeah, but like, a, lo- a lot of series that just don't get the love they deserve. But holy shit, Age of Empires has been just... Uh, and this is the renaissance year for that series. I lo- For anybody that doesn't know Age of Empires, it's an RTS series that started in the mid-1900s. Not 1900s? 1990s. Goodness. <laughs> it's been around since 1950. <laughs> ah, yes. President Hoover, what is your opinion on the Age of Empires? What's that? <laughs> the shanty towns are rebelling. Damn! The Mongolians are overpowered. As usual. But, like... Imagine for a moment that uh, when Super Smash Bros. Melee came out, they just kind of kept throwing expansions on that for a little bit. They stopped after a while, but then like they realized that, oh, like the, com- the community is really still supporting that, so they kept making more expansions. And it- they keep growing stronger, so they made a remaster and made expansions for that, and now we're at a point where Age of Empires 2 is like five times the size it was when I was a child, and it has still embodied that, the core of what it was since then. Like, this is a game that has done nothing but improve in the literally 20 years it's been alive. Like, I got two expansions to this game this year, and it has grown to, um, it's had enough time to establish what it is and, like, what the community likes, that they're able to just experiment with all sorts of different things like oh we've never tried adding an art a unit that shreds armor let's give that to this civilization monks are these really costly gold units that can convert units what if this civilization was able to just make them cost food instead so you can just spam a million of them for just have fun with that uh what if you could just turn all your units economy units into military units just completely destroy your economy at the cost of like oh now you have a 200 army Holy crap, your, your enemy's gonna die, or you are. I, just, I love all of these little freedoms that they're able to take now that they've established this genre. So, it's just, genre's not, it's, they didn't establish the RTS genre, but like, Age of Empires 2 has such an identity that they can just grow it in whatever direction they can, and I love it so much for that. That sounds incredibly healthy. Uh, you saying that just reminds me of the various trading card packs and expansions and boosters that like Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon would get. 
over the years, and I'm sure magic exists, but like I don't know what magic is. And just the idea of that not being in service of a PvP, but a PvE, just sounds so healthy and so really nice to just look at, you know? And there's plenty of PvP there as well, but Age of Empires has gotten me more interested in history and just there's not anything else. Like, the amount of things I know from those campaigns, from Jean Vizka, the bohemian mercenary, to Jadwiga, the Polish ruler, just... I've learned arguably as much from Age of Empires 2 than I learned from an actual history class in, uh, like, middle school or something like that. Yep, no, that is completely fair. And, and it's, it's wonderful for that. And at the same time, like, Age of Empires 3, which I don't really care about, has been getting that same love. Age of Empires 4 just came out. And that game's a little uh, un- unfinished, but it also, like takes this same formula and gives it its own spin. Like, Age of Empires 4 has documentaries that are, like, professionally made. Like, if you put that stuff on the History Channel, you would not be able to tell the difference. And it's not even just, like, military stuff. I I just played a campaign mission where I learned afterwards about how medieval books were made. Just random awesome tidbits like that. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and, and sure, Age of Empires 4 made not... I, I think it does a few things not wrong, but differently from 2. It uses the same setting. It's a medieval um, battle RTS. Right. But in, the, in this game, um, projectiles track where 2 they didn't. Mm. Which makes, like, the, the minute micro of trying to dodge projectiles it just completely nullifies that, which makes siege weapons really overpowered, and it just... I don't like that. It doesn't feel as engaging in that way, which so I'm never going to choose it over to but even then it does so many cool little things that just didn't have to like as you advance through the ages to mimic kind of like oh you started as like the english in the 10th century but as you progress and get to the 15th century you start to realize that oh crap i can actually start understanding what these people are saying because the language that units like when you click on a unit and it like will say something to communicate that you clicked on them Mm mm-hmm they will actually speak differently as you progress through the ages. And that's for every single civilization. Oh, that's neat. Uh, the music will change as well. And it, the music will also change, like, depending on how um, intense the battles that are going on. Like, it'll be very just atmospheric when you're just managing your town. But depending on how many units are attacking you, it'll slowly get, like, more bombastic as it goes along. <laughs> it's weird that they've put so much effort into all these little aspects of the game instead of, like the actual gameplay it's a bit of a buggy game oh really but like somebody was an absolute historical nutcase and just was allowed to do whatever they wanted to with this game god speed to them beautiful to pull no that's like if you told me oh it plays pretty well i i'd be like okay but if you tell me like yo it's got the entire history of the firework and its alternate histories i'm going what unironically yes like, I'm pretty sure that's straight up in there. I don't doubt it. Just just play through the Mongolian campaign and learn about the Mongolian postal system. Yo, do they tell me it's about Genghis Khan's giant cup? <laughs> I I think that was skipped over, unfortunately. Damn the it. cup was too massive. Uh, it was that uh, his doctor only recommended him he could only have one cup of alcohol a day so he just commissioned a massive ass cup the size of a table to drink from 
Oh, but, like, Genghis Khan's another good example, because, like, normally when you get these sort of, um, historical kind of games, they always center on one, uh, like, key figure. Like, if you've got a French campaign, it's about Joan of Arc, Mongol, it's Genghis Khan. Yep. But this game recognizes that, yeah, Joan of Arc was really only active in two years of that, and it actually, like, goes over the entirety of the Hundred Year War. Nice. Uh, he places Mongol in campaign. Genghis Khan isn't the main Khan throughout that. Right, would go Kublai. Uh, and mostly then... it's Kublai. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, uh, RTS is maybe dead in many ways, but Age of Empires is single-handedly carrying that genre on its back. I can, I can feel that. I can respect that. I might just read the Codex entries, admittedly, because I'm real <laughs> bad at RTS. Oh, but... no worries, no worries. It's definitely an inquired taste. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. I got a couple that came out this year. I didn't get too far in, but I have enough to uh, say at least a little blurb on. Um, the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Uh, I got about... I'd say I almost finished the first game because it's a collection of uh, two games and it's Ace Attorney if it were in, um, God, I, I, I'm I sorry, the uh, time period is blanking on me, like early 20th century Japan where it's just being um, influenced by the English. Okay, okay. Yeah, so just let's say a hundred years before the events of Phoenix Wright. And it's very, very interesting. It's very well done. It does the Ace Attorney thing that it's really good. Herlock Sholmes is a character I love every time he is on screen because it is just basically going, what if Sherlock Holmes was anime pretty boy who just did shit and then it happened that he solved the case the whole time? And he's just actively fucking with you because it's fun. And what if you are trying to be Phoenix Wright around that? How does that feel? And it makes investigation sequences an absolute delight. There is a uh, mechanic where Sherlock Holmes or Herlock Sholmes will basically go, Ah yes, I have solved everything in the room. For you see, you are actually a Russian spy. And then you have to go to his deduction and you have to correct his deduction. Just go by him piece by piece, like you're cross-examining him, but you're fixing his inquiry, and he'll go, Ah, yes, of course! I was testing you there! And then he will get a completely new theory that is 100% correct, because he was just waiting you to call him out on his bullshit. It is an absolute riot. The cases are overridden as hell. Oh. Like, Every um, Ace Attorney game has this issue from, I would say, Apollo Justice on, where it's just a matter of, aha, so you figured out that plot, but what about this? You'll go, okay, I can solve that, and then will go, ah, yes, but all that you did was meaningless, because I wasn't on the bus that day. And you'll go, okay, and then you'll examine the bus, and be like, but you could have stuck into the bus from underneath the seat. And then they'll go, yes, but this other man's ass was on the seat. Can you account for this man's ass? And it just keeps going. Like, even the first case, which should theoretically serve as a tutorial, goes on and on and on. And... It is fun. It is fun to see the overdramatics and the theatrics of it. 
but it's at a point where it's just a lot of improv, and you can tell the writers are really just indulging themselves. It makes Ace Attorney a lot more exhausting than it used to be. Like, I used to be able to marathon these games. I cannot do it with this one. It's just, I need a break, and that, that's what's keeping me from diving in, because I'm told the second half is incredible, some of the best that Ace Attorney ever gets to, but I'm just tired. And, like, I like everything, but its pacing just hurts me. Even the original Ace Attorney games, they could have some pretty brutal, just like, oh, you got this wrong. Uh, checkpoints are not kind. Mm-hmm. Like, what, when, like, when you really just start first trying out these new cases. Yeah. yeah that, that could definitely get frustrating with just being a little too overblown or, or overexcited about all the different plot twists you can cram into one single case. Right. You're very, very smart, Ace Attorney. I get it. Please be less. Because I really like you, but gosh, I can't stay in a room with you for too long. Other game I only got a couple of hours into is uh, Shin Megami Tensei V. How is that? I've been curious, just after loving Persona 5 so much, but I know that Shin Megami Tensei is the, the more challenging of the two. It is Shin Megami Tensei. It's... What it has been since Nocturne, and it's got the pretty character models, and the game is actively dying trying to play itself. Like, when you were talking about optimization on the Switch and Monster Hunter, I was like, oh god. Well, let me tell you about Shimagani Tensei Five, where you have the most immaculately animated hair in the world, while the rest of the world is running at five frames per second. Oh, no. Like, oh, the amount of slowdown, the amount of particle effects that are going on, like, I'm complaining about this on a technical level of a JRPG, and a JRPG is one of the genres that I will be the most forgiving to when it comes to technical aspects, because you don't need much technically to make a JRPG good. You just need the menus to run and things to not load as long as Final Fantasy IX's battle intros. And it's bad enough that I'm willing to complain about it. That is impressive. Like, you really have to try to get that. The thing is, I'm playing on handheld. It is worse docked. Be what? Because handheld scales it down to, I believe, oh, 720. Right, right, right. So it's a much more concise thing. When you blow it up, it's just struggling as hard as it can. And there are moments where, like, you'll have a boss of an area. It'll be this giant pulsating mass of tentacles with an eyeball, and you have to charge and attack it. And it sends you to a frame rate dimension where it can process the fact that it's spawning, like, 15 random encounters to charge at you. And all of those encounters are tanking the frame rate. And you have to avoid those encounters. Otherwise, you'll have to do those encounters and you'll be less powerful for the boss. So the frame rate is actively damaging the game experience. That is, I'm normally not one to complain about frame rate. But I'm not either. It gets to a point that, like, you can't dodge things properly. That's, that's too much. This and Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity are my big... No frame rate matters for you, games. And I t totally agree. Totally agree. Um, outside of that, it is Shimigami Tensei. Uh, it is more forgiving and a lot nicer to you than SMT4 was. I also think it is much less interesting. I think that I it is that it is Nocturne again so far. And I'm I'm speaking as getting to the uh, first boss, the Hydra. Uh, that's about as far okay. as I've gone. That's like 
six hours in, I'd say, of what I've done. And I, I trawl maps. I grind probably more than I should. I do side quests. I look for the little fetch quest boys. Um, It sure does look like a cast of Shimigami Tensei characters who will be influenced by the demon world and will lean toward either law or chaos. I'm told that the game does more with it. I'm told that there are good things. I'm told that the angels will just come down and go, no, this is actually the version of the creation myth that's valid in this world. We're just laying it out for you. Deal with it. But so far, it's it's very, very standard and not in a way that I'm intrigued by. Like, Dragon Quest XI is a super, super standard RPG, but it plays with its trappings and it celebrates its world so much that I just love that game because it's such a pleasant time. This is just the battle system's better than Persona. It goes for a different thing than Persona because Persona is all endurance and SMT is basically battle to battle, make sure you live. I, I think comparing them is an apples to oranges things because it's the same battle system, but ultimately it's going through different ma- matters of resource management versus, okay, always be on your toes. If you do not hit Geodude with the water bazooka, you will die. But ultimately, yeah, I think I think it's good. Like, I'm, I'm complaining about this, and I still say, yeah, it's a good system. It's Shimagami Tensei. Of course it's a good system. It feels good to play. But everything it's doing is just, yeah, that's what I would expect out of SMT5. I've not been impressed by the game outside of its hair, which is really, really pretty hair. I just put that on the back of the box. Not, not the RPG systems, just like 10 out of 10, the best hair. It really is. He's so attractive, it's a problem. <laughs> that is that is the curse about RPGs, talking about the just, you're, you're six hours and it's not intriguing. you like, maybe you'll hit that point, but it'll be at hour 30 of this, which is probably going to be like, what? how long are Shin Megami Tensei games normally? I would say like 60 hours, 40, 50, that range, yeah. 40, 50, okay. But yeah, it's just, especially coming off of 4, which had a lot of mechanical problems, but was really interesting in its setup and just what it does and it starts with an interesting setup and then you beat a minotaur who's a really hard boss fight and then it opens up this entire new twist on the game it's like whoa and right now i'm like cool i'm going through tokyo tower it sure is destroyed i i can't really comment on it much that just that sounds like a uh perfect reason why i kind of just skip over those games like i need i i need that story hook to really get me invested in in a gameplay style that i don't really enjoy i'll be perfectly honest yeah if if you were going in i would recommend smt4 or smt strange journey okay okay nocturne is also really good obviously it's the big one that people point to i've been told that some versions have technical issues and i haven't personally reviewed those so I don't know okay. how wholeheartedly I can recommend HD Nocturne right now. But the PS2 game is good. I played the first dungeon right. like 10 times. <laughs> uh, reminds me of a Spider-Man game I had on the, on my, I think, way back in the day, like 1999. That game was so buggy that I could not get past, like, the first level because just Spider-Man would immediately die. But goddamn, was swinging around in that. Just an absolute joy. I love the tutorial level. 
All right. And with that, that should be everything that I did that specifically pertains to 2021, except for Deltarune. So. All right. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll gush about that for ages, but let me get yeah. through like the little things I played as well. Yep. Go for it. Uh, Pikmin 3 Deluxe is a charming game. I believe you. Uh, I haven't gotten very far into it just because I'm playing it with my little brother, but Pikmin is such a fantastic cooperative experience. I really hope that should Pikmin 4 ever see the light of day, they go harder on that angle. Because it's just nice to communicate like, okay, you head over this way, I'll go head over this way, and then we'll meet back up in the middle. It's just, it's just nice. I believe it. Pikmin does it better than almost anything in that regard. I haven't actually tried anything that's unique to the, like, the deluxe version, but I'm looking forward to doing so. Nice. Uh, Monster Hunter Stories 2 came out, which, props to Capcom, you've made a better Pokemon than Pokemon, but I just, I want to like this series so much, but I just can't get into it. It's got that, it's got that 100% completion thing in the back of my head of being like, oh, I want to find every single monster, but that prevents me from, like, getting attached to the monsters I have. Like, there's certain monsters I would want to, like, find and raise and get invested in, but those are always at the end of the game, so you always, they... It's a conflicting arrangement of like, oh, yes, I like my early game guy that I got invested in now, but I have to, like, get rid of him to get level up to uh, stronger monsters. I just, I don't, it, it's a counterintuitive design on the Pokemon formula that doesn't really let me keep the creatures I'm invested in. Right. It, it, it just doesn't land for me. Right. When everyone is Beedrill, then what do you do? Exactly, exactly. I tried Pokemon Unite. That game is disgustingly designed for microtransactions, but I will admit, I've missed MOBAs like this. Yeah. It took a lot of DNA from Heroes of the Storm, which is the best one, but it does it slightly worse, so I was thankfully able to get out of Pokemon Unite before <laughs> being addicted to it. Well, you mean you don't love Gengar? Uh, I love playing as Gengar. Gengar is fun to don't play as. Don't you love Gengar? Don't you want to buy Gengar? No. No, you should no, own no, Gengar. You. Love Gengar. I, I will pass. Love Gengar so you can win. You kill Zapdos with Gengar. Win. Buy Gengar. Yeah, and buy the, like, $20 skin that goes with him. Yeah. I do like that this is a Pokemon game that's at least an injecting a bit of character into the Pokemon. Agreed. Like, they get, they get their costumes. They get those little nice tidbits there. That's fun. It's a well-animated Pokemon game. That is a... a scarcity these games i will say i do love that your pokemon do start their basic forms and do evolve through the match that's really fun that is nice but then you get pokemon like lucario that don't for no reason oh, he doesn't start as riolu no it's just lucario oh that sucks right i was like yeah jigglypuff uh no no iggly Th that's no. okay you, we don't have to talk about Iglybuff. Igglybuff, yeah, that's it. No, it's really ugly. I don't care. It it is, it is, it is. But just like I I wish I wish it was a better game. Because if if this was made by like I don't know, the people that made Dota 2 or something like that, and I really had knowledge of like what makes these games tick and like what you shouldn't lock behind a paywall, because locking stats behind any sort of money is absurd. It, I I might have a problem. But with the that kids game. have but to win. I don't. You know, gotta buy them all, gotta buy them all, yeah. I've played the game that shall not be spoken of, as we've established. Kids are the majority of that fan base. I'm sure. Oh, it's, it, it was fun ideas. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to go in depth on Metroid Dread, because I don't think I can talk about that game without spoiling things for you. 
Maybe we'll do like a separate episode on Metroid. I don't know. I might be willing to just do an hour episode on Metroid Dread once I finally get to it. I think it would be worth it. But like just doubling down, I, I haven't used my Switch for much this year, but that was that was Nintendo saving grace for me. Just holy crap. That game is amazing. Oh, right. I played Mario Party Superstars this year because I'm the Mario Party guy, obviously. It's really good. Is that is that game any good? Hey, nice. Yeah, okay. it's really good. The Wi-Fi, the uh, online works unless your connection is shit. It does? Yeah. I played a four-player game with friends and it worked. And I played another four-player game and we stopped after the first turn because it was terrible. Okay. But well. it it's based on whoever the worst connection is. Yeah, so, those are always... But since it's limited to groups of four, it's very easy to determine, okay, we're safe. Yeah. All right, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that Mario Party finally figured out that. Just do what you did before and people will like that. Yeah. Uh, it's the first Mario Party game since two to have four good boards. Nice, nice. Uh, I think the only other game that we haven't both played is Halo Infinite for me, which... Mm -hmm surprisingly might actually be my game of the year i could believe it which just i've never been a big fan of first person shooters but halo has always kind of stood out to me because it's another one of those games that i really like the world i like the lore behind it the arbiter is a fantastic character the bible is cool <laughs> and just halo infinite does a few things with its physics engine that just make it an absolute joy to play, it has a grapple hook that doesn't quite get to Titanfall 2 levels, but it does it in a way that you can grapple onto something and, like, increase your momentum substantially by, like, aiming past it, which causes you to just fly around maps. And that can be combined with, like, grappling onto, like, enemy, like, vehicles in the air. So you can literally just, like, grapple onto, like, a spire, zoom around it, grapple onto a plane as you're flying by it, and just punt the other per the pilot out of there and skyjack the plane. It is so much fun. That sounds beautiful. I've seen goofy physics shit with this, and that makes me so happy, because first-person shooters have been missing goofy physics shit ever since, like, Just Cause, and I miss that. Like, the reason I loved the Halo games is because, you know, you would do something really stupid and your character would ragdoll. Like, Halo 2 didn't have perfect physics, but it had fun physics. Yeah, and it's and it's gone back to that. Good. Uh, there's something called a repulsor. Okay. Which is basically if um, if Lucio's boop in Overwatch also reflected projectiles. So like, if you have a rocket launcher just firing at you, you can actually just push it and fire it directly back at them. Oh, that's so fun. And the way the physics engines work is like, anytime a vehicle is moving at a specific amount of speed. It will just splatter people, mm -hmm. and the repulsor works in a way that if you launch a vehicle at somebody, it will just straight up kill them, which is causes so many absurd and sometimes not intentional interactions. But like, you can have just a. I had a time when I uh, sniped somebody off of a uh, mongoose, little ATVs, mm -hmm. repulsed the mongoose, and actually hit somebody that I wasn't meaning to hit. I was just trying to make sure it didn't hit me, but it just went went flying and just completely splattered somebody I didn't even see. <laughs> oh, that's so good. One of my favorite weapons in a uh, shooter was uh, from Paladins, which was like the knockoff Overwatch done by the Smite team. Oh, right, right, right. And there's a character called Torvald who has a magic gauntlet, and his uh, ultimate is something called Hyperbeam, where he shoots a giant laser. Now, the thing is, the laser barely does damage. 
but it has massive knockback that constantly pushes you. Like, imagine flood, but if it were like a fire truck hose. And okay. obviously it's used to push you off of points so you can capture it. But more often than not, you can find just a corner of the map to push someone into and bully them into glitching or outright off of the map. And it was the most fun thing to use to just knock people off and get unintended ring outs. That, that does sound like a blast. So anything that even slightly reminds me of that gets me super excited. Halo Infinite has been an, just an absolute treat in that regard. Oh, I didn't even mention the... You're going to love this. The uh, the explosive barrels in this game. Which, like, are they red? Uh, they can be all sorts of colors. But are they red, the, though? I, I think the closest one gets is orange, This game is awful. <laughs> Well, they, they, they color code it depending on, like, the different effects they have. So, like, if they're, it's full of, like, hard light, they'll be purple. If it's full of, like, this energy goop, they'll be blue. Just to kind of show the effects they have. Which, weirdly, there is a red effect in Halo, but they don't use a red barrel as far as I've seen. I don't know what's up with that. But and, and, anyways, anyways, uh, these barrels can be um picked up and tossed, and they have a really nice weight to them. So, like, you when you toss them, you, like, get a sense of, like, exactly how far they'll go. Mm-hmm. And they will instantly kill anybody they hit. So you can just, like, grab a barrel, jump into those grav lifts, and just toss them in a general direction of the enemy team. And more often than not, you will just kill someone from halfway across the map if you have a good understanding of the geometry of it. I like this. This makes me feel good. But also, if you see them coming, there is a split-second window where you can catch them. So it creates this incredibly dangerous game of dodgeball where any person is going to die instantly if they if they don't, like stay on their toes and just oh it's so much fun oh and the medal you get for doing so is kong like you'll just get a kong medal for just killing someone with a barrel it's a delight it's an absolute delight bro bro i'm smiling like the grinch right now like you can't see it but oh my god (laughs) you can use the grapple shot with those the repulsor works from them as well like everything works together now dude you peeked at the kong medal i'm good i'm sold (laughs) you don't gotta say more words (laughs) Fun game. Fun game. It sounds like fun game. I I think that just leaves the 2021 games that we both played. Yep. And uh, before the big one, uh, Nick All-Star Brawl was so fun to play with you, man. Oh, that was such a blast. Like, that was, let's play for an hour, five hours later. Yeah, well, we we don't play it anymore. It was kind of just like a week of just like, oh, let's let's really try this. But Mm -hmm. the way that combo system works, like... I, I understand why I, Smash Brothers has never given this to me about like oh like learning combos like stringing them together. Smash Brothers never really did that for me. That's because Smash Brothers isn't really designed to do so. Nick All Star is, and it is so fun just to get somebody from zero percent to death after like hitting them six times. And just, oh, I love that game so much. Reptar is a fantastic character. I agree. I have opinions on which character is the best designed. But I've said no. those a lot. <laughs> it's not like we made an entire video about nah. that. Right. Oh my god. Let me reiterate. I really love Cat Dog. <laughs> Please, I think my voice was hoarse for the rest of the day after the amount of times I went, Cat Dog! Cat Dog! <laughs> it, was, it was just, uh, it's so rare these days to just have a game be, and be able to go like, Actually, no, let's let's play some more of that. That was actually really fun. Yeah. Uh, I get why it died a quick death, 
because there is not much to it past that. And even with its combo system, uh, it's allowed that because the defensive options are so weak. Agreed, agreed. And personally, I prefer that because I think the Smash is way too defensive of a game. But It's more fun when you're on the offensive. I think it, I agree. But I also understand that that creates a lack of uh, depth and mind games that Smash does have. And that makes it a little less accessible and does make characters like Toph inherently a lot weaker because they just are fighting against the system. It's it's a little Mac issue. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the ground character can't play this aerial-focused game. It's like, oh, the zoning character can't play this rushdown-focused game. Ah, which is which is a shame. But even but even still, like I'm I'm glad these sorts of games are trying to come out now because this platform-centered genre is relatively unexplored just because Smash Brothers has dominated the scene for so long. Agreed. So it's really nice to see just like Nick All-Star Brawl going to town with like the the strafing system and the rock, paper, scissors kind of things with its attacks. I'm really excited for multiverses, how that um interprets trying to handle 2v2 specifically. That sounds fascinating. Agreed. I can't wait to see how they handle that. That's something I've wanted from it for like a long time. Like I've long since envisioned a team mode where it's like, okay, and at one minute a smash ball will spawn in the middle of temple. And just planning for that is something I've wanted and something that Multiversus, I feel, can expand on. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes. And even though I don't play Nickel Star Brawl, I'm still interested in like seeing how they add different characters to that. And hopefully you'll get its... We just talked about the Power Rangers game. What is it called again? A Battle for the Grid. <laughs> battle for the Grid. Hopefully it gets a Battle for the Grid treatment that lets it like really flesh out the game. Because this is definitely a game that's held back by a budget that could really blossom into something greater if given some time to breathe or maybe Agreed. a sequel might be better i hope it money's more money yes uh so do you want to talk about the actual best game of this year uh yeah so um really like that delta rune huh oh my goodness i i i know we said that guilty gear strive had the best ost and i still agree with that but i know it's a weird thing to start with but toby fox has such a mastery of marrying music with gameplay of what it's supposed to embody and tying that into whatever the situation currently is absolutely i i would go further and say that he is the best video game composer with lay motifs i think uh, the 100%. way that he builds on a motif and transforms it because there are so many variations of queen's theme and all of them are good. Oh, stellar, even. I, I, I could just listen to them. The, 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 I don't think there's a single song in that game that I would skip over if it randomly started playing. Yeah, I'm trying to think of one. And even, like, the little spam ones, like, Hey, every! I would still listen to it because, like, <laughs> <laughs> I like this. It's, it's, so, it's just so goofy. Which you can say about the... Entire, I, I I can understand people not finding this sort of humor funny because humor is subjective in and of itself. But mm -hmm. Toby Fox's humor is a just absolute bullseye for what I find funny. Exactly, I find it clever but not smug. I find exactly, that he exactly knows his audience but is very very humble with his humor. It's not assuming that he's smarter than them. It's very relatable humor. 
I find. And if you don't relate to that humor, obviously you're going to find it less funny. But for the most part, it's really solid, really... It's that kind of self-deprecating humor that you get from, like, a Bo Burnham. Yeah, yeah. But without it, you know, stretching itself too thin. And he combines that with just a lot of slapstick and a lot of just cute cartoonish humor that I find really, really clever and endearing. Also a lot of, like, meta humor with game design. Just being like, trying to explore around the world is almost always met with just some kind of joke. Like, there's that one, um... In the, where the cars are, and you can, like, go down to the left, and you can, like, actually find this little side area, and you're like, oh, what is this? There's these little warning signs, with like, oh, there's a dog driving here. Yes. And you just walk down a hallway, and it's just the dog and running by and killing you, and that's the point of that room. Yes, and it plays the Undertale death scene, specifically. And then runs over the game over thing, too. It absolutely embraces that this is a game, and just loves just poking fun at the little things that it can uh, when, when you find the annoying dog under the table when you're trying to find the keys to that and you're like oh yeah you can knock over all the tables now to find it easily you find the key it breaks the key and then it breaks the door and i just <laughs> yes. love that so much i love that every single door open in queen's palace is just an explosion but not like a well-animated one it's just a stock explosion it's the same stock yes. explosion with that same stock effect <laughs> Oh, oh goodness, I was worried. The I was just getting worried because the car hadn't exploded yet. <laughs> Queen is the best character. Well, they're all best characters, but Queen is just a, such a fantastic villain. Queen is just so much fun. So much fun. Oh my god. Yeah, Noelle is a sweetheart. I love that character development. I love everything that they imply with that character. Like, so much is done with that in subtlety, and you wouldn't expect that, because it is a very much in-your-face kind of game. But there is so much subtlety to her. Um, I don't know which character makes me hate them, but go, I completely understand you more between Asgore and Birdly. <laughs> but I go, God, you make me feel uncomfortable in completely different ways for both of them. And I understand where both are coming from, and I want both of them to go away forever. It's great. <laughs> There's not anything, actually anything wrong with him. He's just annoying. The egg's husband scene is the most uncomfortable <laughs> I've been in a video game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I completely forgot about that. Uh. But, like, the, the dialogue is so brilliant in that way, because, like, Birdly makes me uncomfortable because I was that kid. Haha, <laughs> yes! 100%. Just the allure of being smart and how insufferable and, frankly, a jerk it makes you. I would have probably actively said they're waiting for me on the character select screen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I, I love the jokes at his expense. Like, I don't know if I've laughed as hard as I did when uh, Birdly, uh, sorry, Queen betrays Birdly. And Bird's like, I, I thought I trusted you. I thought you said you were a gamer. And then Quinn's just like, Birdly, I only play mobile games. No! And she lied because she played Punch-Out with you. Exactly, so she's just exactly. doing that to so fuck with him. It's amazing. Oh. It's such a quotable game. Potassium. Potassium. I love potassium so much. 
that little bit. I, I, I'm, I'm saying this like there's just like these all hidden gems within this game, but every single moment in this game is a gem. It's just shiny. Yes. Ugh. And you know, on top of that, it has expanded the gameplay that was introduced in Undertale so much and made it so enjoyable to play through. Absolutely. Like, even the evolution from Chapter 1 to Chapter 2, encounters are so much more vibrant, there's so much more strategy to plying them out, and I already thought it was really smart the way that it put your healer as your last possible action, and you had to account for that. But this expands on that further and gives it further risk, further challenge, and ultimately, I think its secret boss is the best boss fight in any of Undertale or Deltarune's two chapters. And that is a, oh man, I, I do I agree with that? I might agree with that, but like that's just, I'm only hesitating because the competition's so strong. Undertale has had some fantastic bosses. It absolutely has, but I think that this is the best one at marrying character, at marrying execution, and every single little bit, every single attack makes me eager to see it and what I can do with it. And, and talking more about that kind of subtly, I love how that's boss fight subtly hints to connections to other characters with um the boss fight's design as well as lay motifs in the theme you hear a lot of the other characters in that all of which makes sense to be connected to this character absolutely it's, it's, it's brilliant in that way also the setting of it you're just on a roller coaster for some reason and it's awesome god bro i fucking love being a big shot oh uh, it's 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 wonderful it's i don't have anything bad to say about Delta Room Chapter Two, I agree. It, it it is just such a perfect experience. It it builds off of little gameplay elements, but they never overstates welcome. Like those little rotating um elevators. Yes, they, they kind of treat you how those work, and then they kind of like throw. Oh, now there's obstacles now. Then you get to that um area with the secret boss, and like I've seen so many people die in that area because <laughs> cowards. I did first try. I did as well. That, the, Anyone I, I who like dies kind of- is a coward. Those perspective kind of things have always clicked with me, but, like, I, I love that it just kind of subtly builds on those type of things. Uh, the intro to the Cybers world, where it does that little rhythm minigame where you have to dodge things to the yes. rhythm of the music, that is the best opening to any video game level ever. Just when that beat drops and you just, like, kind of just stun for a second, I was like, oh my gosh, and then you see the, the just the landscape in the background. I felt that in my soul. Soul. Just marrying gameplay with music right there was beautiful. Yep. The only thing that's keeping this from being game of the year is that it's literally part two of seven of a game. <laughs> see, see, I say that, but I'm almost positive that I'm going to think the same thing about when chapters three, four, and five all come out together. That's that's. There's no way that's not going to be my favorite game of whatever year that comes out from. I can't see anything topping that. And that's just because I love... Toby Fox's writing and music style so much. Like, I just, I, I, there's nothing I prefer more. I do have my stronger preferences. Like, I will look for certain series more than I will the next release of a Deltarune chapter, but I'm always going to be happy that it's here, and I'm always going to get around to it and really enjoy it. I, I, I should rephrase that. Um, like, if there was a, like, Rayman 4 was announced, that'd get me more hyped, but I don't think... Toby Fox's work has such a charm that leaves me nothing but positivity afterwards. 
I don't think that there is a developer that I would be more confident that the game is going to be good than yes. him. Because, like, God, this is just every single inch of this game. I understand why it took two years to came, come out for a five-hour game. Because every little bit has so much detail and thought put into it. Yeah, th- there's that one, um, uh, is it Starman, I think? The little yellow guy? You can find in Jilter in Chapter 2, and they made this entire thing. Like, oh, yeah, he'll come with you, and he'll be in your inventory. I didn't even get that. Oh, there you go. Like, there's there's just so many of those little weird things hidden throughout the game. I thought I was smart because I found the egg. And the egg's an entirely separate thing. But, like, there's the... It's the, um... Uh, in Deltarune 1, there's those little fine things that will spit, like, stars at you. I don't know if you remember those. Yes. But one of those will land, and it's just this really poorly drawn, like, star with just two legs. It mm-hmm. doesn't have a walk cycle, really. And it'll just follow you around and say, I am Starman. Like, that, that, is, the, that is the extent of its dialogue, <laughs> basically. Oh. And, it, and it'll just, like, when the characters are like, oh, yeah, we'll come with you, too. It'll just like, I, Starman, will also come. And it's just in your inventory. <laughs> It's just there. When you when you get the when you get that that area where everyone falls around you for a single room, like you can have Birdly in your party as well and just have a train of people. Right. Starman will also join the end of that for no reason. Oh beautiful. When, when you get that um everyone's coming together to make your final like neck thing, Starman will also be there like, yes, add Starman. And it's it's just <laughs> it's so stupid and I love it. I love it. you, Starman. <laughs> I want a plush view. <laughs> uh, but yeah, God, if I had to pick a game uh, that was the best one I played this year, this one. Yeah, just 100%. I, I loved that experience. Yep. I can't wait for more. As a full game that pushes the industry forward, I would say Strive, but with like an asterisk that go maybe Dread, maybe Twooey Neo. I feel I feel like Dread, that has kind of, you have to, we have to see like how that ends up shaping up like maybe mm-hmm. you'll see a resurgence for that sort of game maybe it'll just be a one and done yeah but fortunately i don't have to uh question anything because i played kirby superstar this year so it gets to be the best game i played this year again <laughs> for like the 10th year in a row nice uh, find anything new with this playthrough or is it just the same old good old kirby it's perfect i did as much of the game as i could suplex only and I did the arena suplex only, and that was a blast. It's so nice that Kirby has those options. Just like, with how flexible those sorts of games are, like you can have those sorts of runs of just like, oh, I want to go through Kirby 64 using nothing but the lightsaber. Yep. This is Jedi Kirby. Yep. And it was just a delightful time. Meta Knight was super, super hard, and I figured out how to kill Krakow with two attacks. Nice! Oh god, Meta Knight with suplex. Yeah, that would... That would be... Yeah. That would be rough. Yeah. They made it easier in Ultra. They add more uh, stars that he drops. But before, no, it's... You kick him in the head or else. Nice. Running games like that for me. Uh, with the Rayman video I made, there were... It was a treat to go back and just revisit that childhood series of mine. Also helped me realize that series is just broken. Like, not having an identity is that series' identity. Oh, I believe it. And, like, even as a big fan of the series, I will wholly admit that apart from Legends and Origins, I'd probably give these games, like, an 8 out of 10 at best. Like, there's some janky stuff to it, and they don't always coalesce into something better, but, like, 
the weird and wacky things that those series do. Uh, Rayman 3, it, there is a point where the where a character gets brainwashed and argues that they are a better character than you because their character model has more polygons. And it's just just this wacky absurdism that Damn, just they're permeates not wrong. the entirety of the series that I love Holy so shit. much. That's like the most meta thing. That's like arguing, oh, Castlevania 64 is so much better. Look at the polygons in Symphony of the Night. And just like, you can hit like your buddy Grillbox, just like randomly. He doesn't do any damage to him, but if you do that enough, he'll just say, oh, you're nicer in Rayman 2. <laughs> Murphy oh. says that he'll see you in Rayman 4, which still upsets me to this day because it's been 16 years, Murphy, and I still haven't seen that game. Oh my god. That is wonderful. To take an aside for a second, because I do it. I, well, do you want to say anything more about Rayman before I take over? Ah, no, I, I said enough in the video right. I made. Just uh, for the uh, on the same vein of just that sort of absurdist combined with that deep snarking humor. Um, I finished a game that I have had on the shelf for decades now, and that game oh. is Banjo Tooie. You've never finished that? I would get. There was a scary, scary octopus in the fourth world. Oh, okay. And he was very mean, and he killed me multiple times, and you have underwater controls? And I didn't like the underwater level. And then the next level was a dinosaur level, but it was really big, and I got confused, so I stopped playing. Eventually, I would go back to visit some later worlds with cheat codes, and th those were okay, but it's kind of weird doing them out of order, and you lose the intended flow of the game, and I never beat the final boss, because she's in a first-person view, and Banjo-Kazooie's uh, first-person controls aren't great. Probably mm -hmm. the hardest thing is controlling how much you have to aim up, because she's very slightly above your natural crosshairs. Oh, that's annoying. Especially yeah. for an N64 game. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not great. I, I'd say the controls are the hardest difficulty of the final boss, but for a game that but I have always loved Banjo-Tooie's world, I've always loved its characters, I've always loved its writing. Do you know the game starts with a poker game that turns into murder? Right! And the only reason that the plot happens is because Mumbo swears eternal revenge, and Kazooie is like, yeah, yeah, let's fucking kill her. <laughs> And Banjo's like, I don't think it's going to be that easy, Kazooie. And Kazooie's going to be like, oh, come on, come on. Revenge, but also killing her. There's just this manic energy to Kazooie this time around. And just every interaction is so, so delightful. And what I love about the Banjo series is that it gives you these really, really fantastic uh, environments and makes you solve the most mundane issues. Like, you go to this horrible, corrupt factory, and there are a bunch of workers there who are being abused and underpaid, and they're like, oh, our clothes are dirty, can you wash them? And that's the mission! <laughs> or, like, there'll be this dinosaur who is a giant pterodactyl who serves as the boss of a mountain and is constantly pelting you as you scale his mountain. And you fight him, and then after you beat him, he goes... Ah, oh, geez. Sorry, guys. I've been going through a really tough divorce lately. Look, can I, I lost my kids' eggs. Can you go and find them? And there's just such a mundane, sardonic heart to it. And what I really love about Tui revisiting it now is that it's not a good platformer. 
it's it's really not. It doesn't challenge you in any ways that a good 3D platformer does. But what it is really good at is giving you this huge, huge map and letting you figure out the optimal path through it. It's mostly a fetch quest game, but it's one where you have to be clever about how you move. Because you're given so many moves as Banjo and Kazooie, but you have a ton of transformations. You have a ton of uh, split-up moves, which limit their move sets but give them different moves. You have a ton of smaller options. You have Mumbo Jumbo as a playable character, and he can't do as much. And a lot of it is centered around, okay, how do I bring this character with this moveset to this spot? And as Banjo and Kazooie, you have free reign to basically plan it out. Levels are designed very much like a theme park, where they'll always have a major focal point, where you can uh, map out exactly where you are, like... Glitter Gulch Mine has a river going through it with different colors of gemstones in the different sections of it, along with a minecart track, and you can gauge where you need to go based on the colors of the gemstones by following the river. It's really natural and really organic. It's interesting in how it's used in lieu of a map, in how very natural but very video gamey these worlds have to be designed around. And this all comes into a head in the final level, which is uh, Cloud Cuckoo Land, where it's just, we have a bunch of random shit. Here is a giant block of cheese. Here is a giant garbage can. Here is a bee's nest. Here is a giant (laughs) swimming pool. We have you in a one centralized hub. Figure out how to get every individual power up to every individual part to do various mini games. That does sound very appealing. It's a really, really smart game that is a 3D platformer that does everything that 3D platformers do well very poorly, but does everything else about developing its world really well. And I'm just, I know I'm going on and on about a literally 21-year-old game, but I'm so happy to revisit it and have it so much better than I remembered. I had nothing wrong with that. I was gushing about Age of Empires 2. That's a 20-year-old game. Sometimes it's nice just to have those gems from your childhood. Yeah. And, like, this wasn't my favorite as a child. I liked the multiplayer modes of it much more than the main game. But now, revisiting it, 100%ing it, it felt good to go through. I felt smart playing it. And that's not something I get with a lot of games of its age. And as someone who loves Banjo 1 to death... It is so nice to finally go, yeah, this game is also good. And nice to go that, yeah, the two Banjo games I've beaten, Banjo-Kazooie and (laughs) Banjo-Pilot. So yeah, uh, little do you know, I like Banjo. (laughs) No, I never would have guessed. But I'm glad I like Banjo more. Um, Also, shoutouts to Kazooie getting a weapon of mass destruction and just going, what if I hit the buttons? And then just firing it off and literally going, I wonder if we'll hit something. I, I totally get that um, just lack of not playing that like series from your childhood. Because like, I have never actually beaten Rayman 2. It was always 3 for me growing up. Mm. So it's, it's, it's always interesting going back to those games and like figuring out like, okay, why did I, why has it turned away from this? In Rayman 2's case, it was that damn spider. That spider just horrified me. Oh, I've seen that spider. I have, I've, I've never no, gone you're back right. to it. But yeah, it's it's fascinating going back to those games from your youth and just being like, oh wow, this 
this was actually a really good idea at the time. Like, I, I love the sound of that world. Like, that is... That has intrigued me more about Banjo than I think anything else has, because I love those kind of games where you're just like, okay, get this to here, and just try to mix and match those in that way. Yeah, don't worry, uh, I'll I, force you to play Banjo one day. I'm sure you will, I'm sure you will. Add that to the list. <laughs> now that's going right to the top of the list as soon as it becomes, in any way, close to available for you. Alright, uh, I can actually segue that, um, because um, that kind of style of just moving things around, trying to figure out where things go where... Mm-hmm. I've been playing a lot of Baba is You lately. Oh, good one. Yeah, I I, I, tr- I first tried it, uh, I think it was two years ago that came out. Maybe last year, I don't know. Uh, that is one of the best puzzle games I've ever played, to a point that I am really struggling to solve some of these puzzles. Oh, likewise. Like, you'll have things where you just, like, you can make different characters. Uh, I should probably explain for people that. Actually, no, the footage in the background will explain for people. Just, like matching different objects and phrases and giving them different effects. Like, Baba is you is a very literal turn in that game. It means that Baba, the little character, is you. But you can also push things around to make it so that that rock is you, or the wall is you, or the water is you, or you is the water. Baba is water. Everything is now water. It, it's such a fascinating brain teaser to just go around all these little things and be like, okay, uh, well, I can make this character move, but I can't cross this area as myself because there's this little water in the way, and if I cross this as a playable character, I'll be defeated. So what if I have this character push myself and the sentence, Baba is you, in a way so it's not connected until I'm across the water? And that gets me to the other side of the water, which is where the objective is. And it's, it's fascinating oh, it how is brilliant. deep they can get with those sorts of things. I love it. Uh, my favorite thing is how if you are in the room with anyone else and are talking, you sound absolutely insane going, <laughs> if Baba is you, you is Baba, but Rock is death. Move Rock, Rock is you, oh, you nothing, back. Ba- you is Kappa? Rock is Tella, but water is float, so uh, Rock can't touch water. Uh, but, but text isn't float. But fence is push. Yeah, uh, it, it is. It is a. I wouldn't put it over portal, but that's just because of the humor of just Glados and Wheatley and all just how wonderful those characters are. I think right. it's just like a raw puzzle stance. I think Baba is You is the best puzzle game I've ever played. I would agree if I did not invest my life into Pokemon Puzzle League. <laughs> uh, I I will respectfully disagree with you there because that. <laughs> Puzzle is pretty good. It's incredible. It is a game with infinite replay value, sir. Tracy Sketchit should die. Ah, <laughs> uh, let's see. I, I I have a few larger conversations I could have with other games I've played this year, but I'd like to just kind of throw out some stuff that I played this year. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, over the last two years, I've been trying and failing to play Fire Emblem Three Houses. Okay. I, I, I play. I played the um. Uh, Claude's Roots to completion when it first came out. Started Same. another one right when, I'm, I'm sorry, Byleth's Smash debut combined with the Ashen Wolves DLC kind of not meshing with the base game, kind of killed my hype for the se- for the Three Houses. I keep trying to go back to it, but just something isn't clicking with me anymore. I miss, I miss traditional Fire Emblem where units had set classes and you had to work around those. Mm, yeah. I, 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 can't, I can't have games anymore where I'm like, okay, Meg is going to be the star of this run. 
this terrible unit, we're gonna make it work. And it, it just doesn't work anymore, and I miss that. Uh, played a lot of Zelda stuff for the Zelda videos I made. That was neat. Uh, Breath of the Wild, after playing in Hello Infinite, that needs the hookshot. That game could be so much fun with that hookshot. Just oh, I could see that. Oh, yeah. Combining those two. Got a, got a better opinion of Breath of the Wild as well. Like, I, I really didn't enjoy that game as much as I should have when it came out, just because the uh, cinematics for... Uh, sorry, the trailers for the game were presenting a much heavier story than what we got. Right. And I was very disappointed to get into the game and realize that, oh, the story kind of already happened, and there's not much here. Mm-hmm. But going back into it as just a sandbox experience, that's a lot more fun. I, I agree. Um, I really enjoyed my time, and then I accidentally took the fastest route to Ganon possible and ruined the last dungeon. Oh no! Because I was like, oh, I love jumping up the waterfall as the Zora. Let me do that. I did that. the same thing! I did the same thing! I went back through the dungeon afterwards, so I didn't, I didn't like, click that I was supposed to go through, but like... I saw, like, oh, that looks like... No, I just got there, I'm like, places. oh, is this going to be a mini-boss with Gan? Oh. Oh. Oh, I beat the game. Shit. That's amazing. That is amazing. But that's kind of the charm of Breath of the Wild, isn't it? That's just, there's so many ways to approach it. It is, but God, I screwed up that final encounter. I would have had such a better opinion of the game if I didn't ruin it for myself. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, that... The, not not the final boss, but the final final boss is also kind of a horrible bookend to that experience. Yeah. Like, wow, let's just take the shooting the weak points of a Shadow of the Colossus boss and just make that kill it. Yay. Ah, Miss Potential. Hopefully the sequel does something better with that. Oh, probably. Uh, any other small ones? Uh, I didn't actually play Smash Brothers much at all. Like, I completely skipped over Pyra and Mithra's Inclusion, uh, Kazuya I played a bit, de- yeah. just be decently fun, mm-hmm. and then Sora's just like, oh, this is a neat character, oh, I, I do not enjoy playing this dude. Oh, wow, I, mm-hmm, uh, preview, he's like Meta Knight. He is, he is a, he is a float. He is, he is a, he is a Mewtwo Meta Knight. Yeah, just, not my cup of tea, I, I don't know. I, I really am into Smash Brothers more for the hype around announcements and speculating about how characters could be translated into it than I am actually playing the game. I am here to see the character be represented, and they make me feel good, because no one is going to make me feel as good as K. Rule in this system. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, that, that wraps up most of the things, but th- there's one big one I want to have a conversation about, but I always go back to play XCOM 2 a little bit. That's a fantastic game that will never get old for me. Gotcha. Uh, Heroes of Might and Magic 3 is the same way. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever heard of that. That's a fantastic strategy game. I'd highly recommend. Uh, Angband is a very old game. Like, straight up rogue, computer, everything's a letter on your keyboard. But that was like a formulative game for my childhood that I always revisit. I love that game. And then uh, I finished Hades this year. Ooh, Hades nice. Is, Hades is perfect. Yeah, Hades is really, really good. I, I, I don't have much more to say about that. It's just a phenomenal roguelike with phenomenal characters that really lets you feel like you're growing and getting better at the game through its design. It's I don't know how they found that sweet spot where every boss feels impossible when you reach it, but then they just keep going further and further, and all of a sudden you look back and like, oh, wow, look how far I've come. It's it's wonderful in that way. Part of that's just the progression system, but it's also just teaching you how to play new, like play through the bosses. I love that every single like lead-up to a boss is teaching you how to beat that boss. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. And I love even as runs progress, you get naturally smarter about things and go, okay, yeah, I'm going to get through um, the Hydra, no problem. I will always get through the Hydra. But is my build strong enough to beat uh, Sterius and Theseus? Like, you always exactly. have that wall and that you're always building toward. And then it's very much a, okay, will it pay off in the end? Do I have a strong enough offensive or defensive build to handle Hades? That game, by the way, has one of the best difficulty scaling systems I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Because, like, if, if you have too hard of a time, you can just turn on that, um, that god mode kind of thing where it progressively makes you stronger throughout runs. But then if you want to challenge, the, um, the Pact of Punishments is the best difficulty system. Just like, so many difficulty systems are just like, oh, this boss has more health now, or they do more damage. But in Hades? No, you're like, you can be like, oh, traps do 400% more damage, or these bosses have new attacks. All the Fury Sisters are attacking you at once. Deal with that. It's, ah, it's, it is an impeccably designed game. You play through more and you start learning, like, how different effects combo into each other. Like, there's certain things that are stupidly broken. What, like, um, oh, what was it? The, the, uh, the gun that shoots the bombs that remotely detonates. You can, like, get, um, uh, if you get the three, where you can shoot three of those at once and, like, get a crit chance on that, you're just playing Bomberman at that point. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. It's been so long, I forget my favorite builds, but I had so many good ones in there. Oh, that's right. Um, when you just are able to use the shield as a Beyblade, but still be able to do Captain America Charging Star. And you can knock back enemies into the Beyblade, and the Beyblade heals you. That was my big favorite. It was uh, Aspect of Zeus Shield. I, I love getting the knockback onto the um the uh, the bow that shot the scatter shots, and then finding the thing that made it so that when you shoot somebody, the scatter shot homes. Because yes. if you do that with the knockback, it just instantly deletes people as it just repeatedly slams them into walls. Yes. And, like, there, there are probably thousands of wonderful builds out there that I haven't even discovered yet. This is definitely a game I'm going to replay in the future and love just as much as when I first played it, because it's that well-designed. I can completely agree. It is so addictive, too. It's so easy to go, okay, but one more, though. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll do a couple of quickies myself. Um, Distance. It's a fun car game. Where you, like, go and you try to line up your tires to do big jump shots. It's very, very pretty. I liked it, and I remember little of it, but I felt good playing it. Nice. Um, Kirby Streamland 3. Very pleasant game. That That's basically it. It's just yeah, pleasant through and through. Um, Mario Party 6. Really good. Not as good as 7. Yes! People prop this up as the best one of the series. It is not. There is, like, one really good board, and that's Castaway Bay. Fair Square is fun, unless you're trying to win. EGAD's Garage is a nightmare board where everyone counts spaces for the entire game. Treetop is fine. Snowflake Lake might be the worst board in the series. Clockwork Castle, fine. It is not balanced around the fact that you can choose what space you land on with the Slow Shroom. And that bogs down the pace of the game to a crawl. Kirby's Air Ride. Not as good as I remember. Still really good. Mario Superstar Baseball. Significantly better than I remember. I love this game. I, I, I love that video too, by the way. Just the amount of 
I, I wonder what possessed them to put that much time and effort into how the characters play with each other. I love it, but I'm just... Why that game in particular? Oh, I know. Well, uh, it was developed by Namco, which only made the baseball games out of all the spinoffs. So that's their own baby in the Mario sports oh, pantheon. Okay. But yeah, it's it's really, really, really fun. Um, a competitive uh, Mario Superstar Baseball League uh, commented on the video, and I've been watching them since and just seeing the game have that deep of a meta is so fascinating we're just like the entire game revolves around how good bowser as a batter is to the point where you have to walk him every time but if he has a star (laughs) chance you don't want to do that oh that's amazing yeah check out dinger city if you are bored dinger city all right let's see uh mega man 4 on the game boy it's okay Super Mario 3D World. It's still Super Mario 3D World. It's a fun time. Bowser's Fury was also fun. It plays like a banjo game, but bigger. Oh, I never thought about it like that, but yeah. Yeah. Um. Joy Mech Fight. <laughs> Played it for the first time this year. It's alright. What? No, that's blasphemy right there. Take that back. It's exceptional. It is like insane what they do with a fighting game on the Famicom. Like, oh my god, that game is a technical miracle and a stupid amount of fun. It is one of the most accessible, simple fighting games I've ever played. And just the idea of turning the fighting game arcade ladder into Mega Man is brilliant. Because it's initially set up that you have seven challengers, and you pick whichever one you want, and then when you beat them, you get to play as them. And it's so smart, and you learn their movesets so easily doing that. It's, it's, it's so smart. Nice. It's so good. Uh, Mario Party 7, better than Mario Party 6. Uh, board design is just better. Uh, it sucks that there's a mic minigame space. And that's oh god, I forgot about that. Yeah, no, that's actively awful. But outside of that, uh, orb balance is just better and more fun. And boards are generally more enjoyable. Windmillville was a lot better on replay. Bowser's Enchanted Inferno, still a good board. Pagoda Peak, one of the best boards in the series. Yeah, I love Pagoda Peak. Yeah. Mega Man 2, it's Mega Man 2. If you need a game to beat in, like, two hours that will be fun, Mega Man 2 is one of those. <laughs> I I actually did play that this year as well, I forgot. Uh, did not take me two hours. I am not good at Mega Man. <laughs> it, it's one of those games where it feels really good to replay because it's short and you feel confident in it now. Like, I, I think of the Mega Man series is by far the easiest to just pop in and play, aside from maybe 9, but 9 is also really good, just in general. Uh, Mega Man 7, significantly better than expected. Nice. Just really solid all around. I have no complaints until the later Wily stages. Just really good Mega Man. Darkstalkers 3, Dimitri is my favorite Shoto in anything ever. Like, I don't, I don't have more to elaborate on it. Darkstalkers is just a fantastic fighting game. It's probably my... Oh, f- right. I, I was getting mixed up with Darksiders. Oh, no, 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 like, no. Wait, who, what? No, the fun oh, no, one. No, no, no. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
No, it's probably my favorite of the classic uh, Capcom fighting games after spending some time in it. Like, JoJo really? Heritage of the Future is probably the only one that comes close. And admittedly, I'm not any good at Third Strike. Like, that just is too fast for my lizard brain. But, yeah. No, Darkstalkers is just fun. It's a good hit buns game, and it's a good learn game. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh! The Eternal Duelist Soul. God, that was a fucking slog. <laughs> I'm glad Exodia still works. Uh, Kirby Star Allies. God, that isn't a game until after you beat it. But then after you beat it, it's like the best Kirby game. But only after you beat it. It's fascinating how that works with that game. Mm-hmm. It, it's such a pain because the ultimate choice on Soul Melter EX is the most challenging and fun Kirby experience I have had. But getting there is takes a really, really long time, and only some of it is worth it. Like, that is the best bit of a Kirby game, but Robobot is so far ahead of it. I agree with that. Although, Starlight has Adeline and Ribbon, so... It, they do. Uh, trust me, I'm saying that, and the game has playable marks. I'm conceding that, despite playable marks and Dark Meta Knight being, like, surprisingly super fun. Shockingly good, shockingly good. Yeah. Uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland. There is no reason to play this game anymore now that Star Allies exists. <laughs> like, for real, The Last World is the only one with, like, real-ass level design. It, it's, it's like, I'm having fun, but I'm having fun because it's Kirby. Like, Return to Dreamland is very baseline Kirby fun for me. Uh, do I have any other quickies? Uh, 13 Sentinels, Igus Rim. I have not finished that game. It is incredible. Uh, I can't say any more about it because it is the biggest spoiler fest I could possibly give. But if you like anything that is anime or sci-fi ever, it does everything it can with the ideas of anime and sci-fi. All right, then. And like as a story, it is one of the most intellectually fascinating. Interesting. Okay. I kind of want to ask more, but I feel like that, that's a story, in, a spoiler in of itself. Um, okay, I'll give, you, I'll give you one plot thread, because it's one of those where you pick a multiple protagonist sort of thing, and all of their uh, plot lines interject and interact and cross each other at different points of the timeline. Oh, ooh, I do like that. And also there's time travel involved. Not as fond of that, but I've seen games make it work. But it's doing it really well. Okay, okay. Like, the timeline considers the time travel happening. Okay, okay, that's, that's always the big issue with those things. Yes, no, it's, it is actively acknowledging every time travel story ever and explaining it in incredible detail to make it work. Um, to give the basic hook of one of the characters, a character who is a, like, 20-year-old from World War II Japan who really, really wants to beat the United States is transported into the future by a non-binary scientist who he has to confront his inner feelings of not understanding what it means to be attracted to someone who is non-binary. <laughs> he is a himbo. I love him. He gets a giant robot. <laughs> as all should. As all should. <sighs> okay, that's all my smalls. Oh, shoot. Uh, I have one more small because it's one of the ones you recommended to me. I haven't really gotten far in Metal Gear Solid, and that is entirely because I physically cannot resist listening to every possible codec call that I can. 
It completely just breaks the pace of the game. I'm just like, oh, what did? But what is? What does Melee have to say about this thing? What about this thing? Dude. Oh, but there's like 30 minutes of like expository cinematics before this. I want to watch this instead of actually playing the game. Dude, the dialogue for 1998. Like, consider that this game's competition was Ocarina of Time, and then consider that like technically and in storytelling, its competition was Starcraft. And no disrespect to StarCraft. StarCraft was all right. Oh, but like no. Metal Gear just. No disrespect to StarCraft at all. But like, compare. Yeah, no, that's. It, it still makes me laugh looking back. I, I think I had this rant with you as well. You go down, you break into this facility, you save the scientist, and he's like, oh, I got this key card thing that will let, help you get through. But it's not just any key card. Oh, no, no, that's too simple for Metal Gear. This keycard bounces radio waves off of the salt in your body to yes. open doors automatically for you. Yes. Specifically the salt. Uh, did you even get to <laughs> Ocelot? I, I I was... That was the point that I actually stopped in the game. That's what I because, thought. <laughs> because I, I was so flabbergasted. It was just like, okay, okay, I, I can't... I, I love this too much, but I also just, <laughs> like... It, it's such a bizarre love that... It's so hard to play the game because I just want to. I just want the characters to talk more and just embellish more on the absurdity. Ah, uh, dude, welcome to Kojima. We're glad you finally made it. Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. I, I only have one big positive thing left to talk about, and it's a game we both played together. So you you, you know what it is. Oh yes. Uh, do you do you have anything else? Because I, I feel like that'd be a fun way to wrap things up about the, just that experience. Um, yeah, I have a couple more games that I think are the best ones I played this year. So, okay. uh, big one for me, Yakuza, Like a Dragon. Another one that's on the list of things you've recommended me that I need to get around to. <laughs> uh, utterly, utterly fantastic. Just, it knows that it's a stupid, stupid RPG and it goes all the way with it yet still has some of the best heart and best acting I've ever seen in a game. Like, this is a soap opera of a game, 100%, but it makes you so invested in every individual character and lets you do every goofy thing. Like, you saying all of the stuff that you do with Metal Gear, you will not get through this game in less than 160 hours. Like, you specifically <laughs> will not. But every single bit is so much fun. I have not laughed harder at a game in a while, and I have not felt so many feelings in a while. And that's on top of a pretty dang okay RPG system. Uh, level curve is a little bit rough. It uh, spikes pretty dramatically. I found it very tolerable because I had a good party comp and actually a pretty fun job system to experiment with, and I was well rounded in my stats using that i can see how people who power level only one job would not have that but just an absolute delight of a time start to finish like i can go through about 40 different side quests off the top of my head and all of them are winners all of them are such a fun time except that one where you go garbage diving with that guy that's that's not as good but for everyone that is that you have the one where you have to save a crawfish's life, and then the crawfish becomes a summon. Wait, what? <laughs> oh yeah, there are summons. They're just friends that you call on your cell phone. 
And the craw- well, please say you call the crawfish. You on call the, cell phone. the crawfish, and it costs money to call it. It has an appearance fee. <laughs> and then the crawfish rains crawfish from the sky to attack your opponent before leaping at them, tearing off their tongue with its claw, and then turning its back to them like a kuma as it brandishes its pincers. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's utterly fantastic there's the side quest where you have to hunt jason Voorhees. there's the side quest where you have to fight a red green and blue enemy for professor oak there's the side quest where you have to figure out based on their animation which of these four men is peeing into a river and arrest him (laughs) i i feel like you could keep listing examples for a solid 20 minutes. I haven't even gotten to the Roomba or the monkey. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds fantastic. The monkey manages my real estate business. <laughs> There's also a real estate side quest that is like an entire game inside of the game. There is also a Mario Kart mini game that has 16 full tracks. Of course there is. Why wouldn't there be? This is on top of everything they've carried from previous games and the Pac-Man minigame. That is you being homeless and collecting cans, but having to avoid the other homeless people who will steal your cans and act as the ghosts. And by the way, the dub is fantastic. Like most of these games. Oh, lovely. Like all these games have been subbed except for Judgment so far, and they have a fantastic job. But the dub work done here is utterly amazing. Um, George Takai plays your father figure, and yes, it's so pleasant to hear him. Oh, you just you just sold me so hard on that game. You were already selling me pretty hard. <laughs> and he gets like an hour intro at the start of the game, and it's incredible. And the range that Kaiji Tang has is Ichiban. Like Ichiban is one of the most instantly likable protagonists that I have ever met. But yeah, it's just an utterly, utterly incredible game. And would be the best game that I played this year if I didn't also play Disco Elysium this year. I was wondering when you were going to bring that. It was like the best one for you? I have never had an experience with a game with this good of writing. It is the best Ren game I've ever played. And it is just, as much as I say Yakuza Like a Dragon is every single interaction is something that I enjoy and everything is a winner. Disco Elysium is that, but you cut out the combat and just make it dice rolls and give me more. Like, everything I like about Like a Dragon is just intensified with Disco Elysium. It is not a game for everyone. It is an incredibly, incredibly dialogue-heavy game where the reward is more funny dialogue. But especially now that they've added voice acting to this game with like a billion words. Oh my god, it's incredible. I can't describe to you just how good the writing in this game is. And just how flexible and how funny it is. Just to give a brief example... Uh, At the start of the game, you are blackout drunk to the point where you have forgotten your name. And the hotel manager sits there and he's like, yes. So you fucked up everything for the past few days and destroyed your own window. So I'm going to need $100 from you right now. And 
There are options where you can, like, talk him out of it. And you can go through those, but they're pretty high skill checks. So you can just run the fuck away. But your motor skill can be so poor that you lose the roll for running. So midway through (laughs) your run, your character jumps backwards and your inner thoughts start questioning why the hell you are doing this. And then your drama suggests that you flip him off and say, fuck you, with both fingers in slow motion. And you do that, and you crash and take damage both physically and mentally. That is amazing. This is one interaction, and that's not even in my top 20. This is the richest world I have ever encountered in a game with the most detail for it. Um, I have never felt more strongly about a morality system, not because I'm worried about like how the world will view me, but because your partner, Kim, is one of the most likable human beings I have ever met, and I don't want to disappoint him with my Rudy Tootie uh, psycho cop bullshit, but I want to do enough of my insane bullshit that I still get rewarded for it and solve this case. Your main character has 20 different stats to him. Every single one of them has voice acting, and every single one of them comments on possible actions that they can do. Wait, 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 wait. So the, you're saying that his actual traits in his head have voice acting? Yes. It's an inside-out kind of thing? Yes. That is amazing. And they are actively talking to you. Like... You have, at one point, your drama is like, Saya, I do not detect any lying. Oh, so that's no, you're, that's literally a character when you're saying Yes. Oh my gosh. Your aspect of drama in your head, which is against your aspect of volition, which is against your aspect of shivers, which is you hearing the voice of the city around you. And there was a point where drama couldn't tell that someone was lying to them. So my other emotions had to convince drama that it was being lied to. They talk to each other? Because it is a lie detection mechanism. So you had to check that your lie detection was wrong. And then drama was so hurt that it asked me to please kill the person that lied to it. Wait, is it the person, like the real person, or was it actually telling you to kill another like emotion? In- no, the a real person. <laughs> Okay, okay. I love that's a that's a question I can make with the game. This is on top of the fact that my necktie was also talking to me because I passed a check at the very start of the game to let me listen to it. And it has its own side quest that has final story ramifications if you follow it through. The main character of Disco Elysium may be the best main character of any video game, period. And the fact that I'm calling him the main character of Disco Elysium instead of his actual name that you have to figure out because he is such a pathetic drunk just stands to how much I care about this story. I also think I invented a new form of music in the process of my murder investigation. Okay. Just, is that part of the game or is that complete happenstance from what... (laughs) I went on a date with a woman and got a sword? 
The sword never factored into anything, but it was there for dialogue choices. Where I could go, I have a sword now. It is for show, but it is mine. I have never seen a game with better dialogue and more investment in it. I, I'm so torn because I just want to ask for more, but I, I, I want to experience this myself at the same time. You can ask me as soon as we finish recording because I okay. don't want to spoil any more for anyone else listening. Just know that this is a story-based game. It is rolls on rolls on rolls, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. All right. And and that was the best game that you played this that year. That I played this year. Yes. Definitely in my top 20 games of all time. I was just about to ask like how how does that shake up against like I know recency bias is a thing, but like Yep. Definitely yep. top 20. Nice. Definitely top 20. And like I I I also played like Final Fantasy 6 for the first time this year. That game's also incredible, but like that's like in the 40s compared to this. All righty. I'm debating in my head if I want to. I I have two other things that really stood out to me this year, mm-hmm. like in terms of gaming. Well, one was the game we played together that we'll get to in a second, but the other was something I kind of want to talk about because these sorts of things, the best thing to do about them is just to keep talking about them, right? Because this was the year that. I'd say killed Blizzard, but Blizzard has been dead for years. Yeah, yeah. As as someone who, if you asked me five years ago, Blizzard was my favorite video game company. Like, StarCraft, WarCraft, Diablo mean more to me than the entirety of Nintendo's library. I, I was raised on those three games. I can understand that. I can't agree with it, but I can understand it. Oh, yeah, no, no, it's a... I was a PC gamer until, like, halfway through the GameCube era, era. so, like, I, my entire childhood is just solely PC stuff. I get you, but, like, if you insult a single fiber of Kirby's being, oh, so help me God. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just a... I, I don't... I just want to bring it up because, like, it's one of the biggest things that happened this year. It's an unfortunate reality. It, it should be. Uh, we're not going to get better by not acknowledging it. Because we have seen horrible, horrible things, inhumane things, uh, done and covered up by Blizzard and uh, Activision and employees that still work there to this day. And uh, I wish the best that the truth comes out. And when it does, those responsible for hurting innocent people pay for it. Yeah, and, and to give some small credit, although they haven't done nearly enough, I know they've fired like... 20 to 30 people they are presenting themselves as trying to make change although it's obviously just grandstanding for the media side of things yes no like stuff like renaming uh cole cassidy i believe is the same <laughs> now, is like that's good but yeah that should have been done like what good for you doing so long Good for you not doing not only the expected, but the necessary. It's like saying, good for you for changing the water that you are drinking from poisoned to not. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just an unfortunate reality. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've been uh, struggling a lot because I'm trying to figure out, um, I want to remake that Diablo video at some point, but I just... Oh, trust, trust me, I understand. To... I think the thing that we have to accept is just like the things that you love but 
always value those things and those visions in their bubbles. Don't attribute them to a company or a creator because every piece of media that gets made is more than the people who make them. I'd argue it's even more complicated than that because... Like, Diablo 2 Resurrected came out this year. I actually did get that because that's a big game that I've played with my family, and that's mm-hmm. just nostalgic with me. Right. And it's an awkward case, like, yes, this is part of this company, but it was made by a development team that is separate from all of this, but it's still part of the company, and it's just... It's so difficult to manage how to deal with a company's bad behavior over an individual's one, because an unfortunate reality is that both the abused and the abusers are part of that same company. Right. I don't know. It's it's a frustrating thing that really, realistically, we can't do anything about. Like what talking about that, like what we're doing right now is really all we can do, and it's it's just it's frustrating. Yeah, no. If if you're upset about this, keep it in your mind. Like, would I love to talk about Crash Bandicoot without guilt? Yes, I would love that. I played every single Crash game on the PlayStation One this year, but I don't care to talk about them right now. It's not the time for it, but keeping it in the conversation, feeling out this conversation until we can get to a point where the things we love, the things that bring us together that happen to come from the company can be celebrated again is important. So yeah, keep talking, keep fighting and, you know, figure out where you feel most comfortable with all that. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, with that depressing that side note, let's end on a high note. Uh, because uh, one of the most enjoyable experiences I had this year was actually playing Donkey Kong Country 2 with you. Oh, awesome. I've been waiting to hear your full thoughts on this for eight months, so. <laughs> so, a b- bit of background with platformers for me. I am not very good at 2D platformers. Just, just in general. I-, I have a very hard time, like spacing jumps correctly bottomless pits are the bane of my existence right it's why i love rayman so much because you got that hair and you just like hover a little bit and you just oh i'll let me be careful and land right here there we go mm-hmm. uh on country 2 still keeps that difficulty for me but god damn is that game so much fun the level design in that series is absolutely phenomenal that's something you can say about rare's work in general everything they make feels like a living breathing world there may be absurd cases of like, oh, here's this gigantic saw that's going up this never-ending tree, but right. it fits in the in the, in this in the world of the game. Right. They they're so clever about how they um tease little bits and pieces of the environment, being like, oh, hey, there's a secret here. There's like, you have to see a banana out of the corner of your eyes, or this little bit of the environment is cracked. It really one of the first games to do something on a wide scale like that with that much detail. Uh, I love the feel of controlling Diddy and Dixie. Uh, Dixie especially, like, it's, again, Rayman, it's so nice to have that hover, but even then, it's not as much of a crutch as it is with Rayman, because you can only use the hover, like, at the start of it. You can't, like, just toggle it on and off and on and off. You have to commit or just fall. Right, right, and it doesn't trigger off of bounces. It's just your first flight. Exactly, exactly. I apologize for the scatterbrain way i'm approaching this but just like that it was oh, no, it no, was no, a no, really fun it. game no go for uh, it music is phenomenal i love the music of those games so much mm-hmm. uh there's this I'll, I'll tell this story there's this one um the roller coaster level in dkc2 oh yes i think we lost like 40 lives on that level 
Uh, and yeah. I still don't understand why. Oh, it, was, like, it wasn't that hard. <laughs> it's not that hard. Oh, uh, no, Ricky, it was rickety race to everyone, so. And like, I, 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 I've, I've played video games like that, like, that's not difficult for me. But for some reason, I could not, I don't know if it was just, like, running out of steam at that point, but it was just constant, constant, just, like, we weren't even getting far in the level. Like, we were consistently getting just, like, halfway and just dying each and every time. I have one-shot that level so many times, so I do apologize for how that ended up. But at the same time, I do not apologize for a second. No, it was hilarious, is the thing. Like, it wasn't frustrating. It was just like, why is this so difficult for us? I know. Uh, I love that about DKC especially, because you get to walls in it constantly, but it's always doable it's always manageable you always have so much control over the character it has so much precision that's required from it, but the, but it makes you feel like you really earned mastery of that precision so it's a very nice balance in that way mm-hmm. uh that king k rule fights one of the best boss battles i've ever seen right just how much it builds upon a single idea and just keeps going and going and going and going mm-hmm Ah, uh, here's the spike balls. Now the spike balls are moving. Now they're going in circles. Now there's clouds. Now there's clouds and the spike balls. It's just, oh, it's lovely. And that stupid final hit. <laughs> I can't believe. Like, I respect it so much, but, like, the timing of when he shoots the cannonball is just, it's consistent through every single time, but the last one. So you're like, you're, you get to that final hit. Like, I think it's the ninth hit against him. Yep. I was so happy. I was like, yes, I beat the game. Timing's different. Shoots me in the face. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was so happy to take a hit purposefully before that so that you would be set up for that. (laughs) You (laughs) Again, I respect that so much. That is is the best kind of game design. But it's also just like, oh, okay, you got me. Mm -hmm. Well well done, Rare. Rare, Well done. Well done. Let's do the entire fight again. (laughs) Would you ever consider going back to it for the uh, 100%? I think I would. Just because it's fun to see, like, how those levels build up on various little gimmicks. Yeah, and uh, there are actually five full bonus levels that are only unlocked by getting enough bonus coins for them. As well as a second final boss. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that bit. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a bit shorter than the other one, but uh, it's K. Rule. And he only has one hit point, but he has, like, a two-minute dodging phase. Oh, all right. And it has, like, the coolest background. Let, let me just send you the background, because it is incredible. All right, I'll throw this on screen as well. Yeah, uh, hang on. Uh, let me see if I can get a better resolution for it. Uh, while you're talking about that, we've also been playing DKC3 lately. Yep. And it is, it's fascinating to see the, the comparison between the two games. Yeah. Uh, DKC2 absolutely. is a lot more, um, straight Oh, that's just cool. Right? That looks like a Mortal Kombat background. That's awesome. Right? And then you knock him into the power source and it blows up the entire island. Ha! <laughs> nice. Anyway, like I was saying, um, DKC3 is a fascinating entry into the series because it's a lot more, um, presenting a singular kind of gimmick. And then building something around that gimmick. Yes. Which is just built on in a lot of fascinating ways. Uh, I remember the, um, uh, what was the, it was the one level where you like, you're constantly like opening doors and you're trying to get to a point that you can just fall, or either rise up between all of them or fall uh, back Squeals on wheels, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's, it's really cool just how they kind of let their creative juices flow and approach this kind of platformer angle in a different way. Mm-hmm. You haven't even seen the half of it yet. We're only halfway through the game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, for context for the audience, we're midway through K3, which is the fifth world. Yes. I don't know. I just, I just, I just, it's, it's just a really charming experience. I love these sorts of games that it's the perfect blend of difficulty and accessibility. Because it yes. makes perfect sense how you're supposed to get through any, anything, but it's like mastering that precision takes a lot of time and effort, and the game rewards you for putting that time and effort into it. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, I, I'm sorry I'm not saying more, but like these are like, yes, I have felt this for literally 23 years of my life. That is a huge part of my life. Yeah, no, no worries, no worries. So I'm like, I'm just going, yes, yes, tell me more. Tell me, yes, enjoy, praise the games more, please. Ye who is experiencing the Donkey Kong, please. Oh my, I I can, because I completely forgot my favorite part of the game. I love quiz shows in (laughs) any video game. Yes. More video games need quiz shows. It is such a lovely way to make you pay more attention to the world you're going through. And it makes you appreciate those aspects of the world so much more. Because then you start wondering, you know what, how many birds were in that video, that game? It kind of it approaches the revisiting your experience in a different way to, like, really just live in the world for a bit. Absolutely. I, I love that it's established here. I love it even more in Banjo, which is just a slower-paced game where you're naturally exploring the world. I think the way that it marries that into its quiz show is flawless. But, oh, yeah. You're right, Swanky Kong is a god. 100%. And then Cranky Kong is just one of the best video game characters ever. I I was always happy to see him and just hear him talk about some strange new... Oh, Rare had such good writing. They did. I am thrilled that Shigeru Miyamoto loves Cranky Kong because it's literally taking his first creation that gave him major success and saying, yeah, he's a boomer now, and Mimo going, that's hilarious, I love it. <laughs> I can't wait to see how Miyamoto oversees him in the, uh, in the Mario movie. I know. But I'm, I'm glad that you're finally more thoroughly introduced to the Donkey Kong universe and just the tone of that world. Oh, absolutely. Because, like, beforehand, like, I had a very, I just saw it as an offshoot of Mario. Just like, oh, yeah, there's, there's, there's the... There's the Mario platforms and the Donkey Kong ones. The Donkey Kong ones are just, you have a role in that game. There's nothing much more to them. It's a very surface level. I kind of blame Smash Brothers for it, honestly. It's just, it just doesn't really do much for it. And that was my biggest... Um, you're fair. Biggest, what's the word? I'm like, when you're... But biggest exposure. To, there we go. That's mm-hmm. the word. Uh, but no, these games are some of the most charming I've ever played. Which you wouldn't expect, for, given just what Donkey Kong is generally portrayed as. He says, oh, but no, it's not just big monkey kidnap person and throw barrels. It's so, 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 so much more. Oh, it is so gratifying to hear that. And I cannot wait. I don't know if they will do it, but I cannot wait to see the next Donkey Kong game. Because I I think, I hope they're realizing, like, the charm that those games have. K. Rule gives me hope in Smash Brothers for that. Oh, it's coming. And if if they can embrace that properly, that'll be a fantastic game that I can't wait to play. Dude, like, they gave a theme park to Donkey Kong. They gave it to him over Zelda and Pokemon and Animal Crossing. Like, they have big plans for the guy. And I cannot wait to see them. 
So where does it rank on your favorite games of all time? Oh, well, hmm. Well, let's... Because it's my number four game of all time. I'm sure it is. The, 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 the thing with that is... Oh, well, well hmm. That's actually a good question. Because I don't think I have a 2D platformer anywhere in my top 50. Not counting things like like Hollow Knight or Metroidvania's platforms. Right, they're, right. They're not. Right, it's a different vibe for him. Uh, I would definitely say uh, the only competition it has in my brain is Rayman Legends. And Rayman Legends is a very weird platform. It's almost more of a, a rhythm game. It's a very momentum-focused and as tr- so as a traditional 2D platformer, it might be my favorite one. I'd have to think about that for a bit, but... I'll take that. I will take that. I will take that to the bank. Yeah. yeah you, you're getting into my, like, my top 20 games. Like, there's nothing Nintendo in, like, my top 25. Uh, that That's all, like, Western RPGs, like Divinity Original Sin, like... That's um... okay. This one is rare. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Got yeah, him! But, but, like, but my favorites are always, like, RTSs and just... What what really speaks to me is a different kind of gameplay, but this was still definitely one of the best co-op experiences I've ever had. Like freaking out over that roller coaster. Oh, that yes. was just that was just an absolute delight. Mm-hmm. Oh god, I'm trying to think of other levels that we had such a blast in because like that was obviously the highlight. But um, how did you feel finally getting to those bramble levels that people talk about so much? Hmm. Well, I, the, the music was always as good as ever. I've heard that music track so many times in my life. Right. Um, they were kind of... I, I liked the design behind them. I liked the idea. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked the vibes they gave off. But the actual levels themselves, were they, they were fine. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, I, but, I beat them too quickly for you. That's my bad. No, it, it's just I, I love those levels because of the... um, Almost the hypnotic nature that the combination of just going through all the barrels and the, um, that just the music gives you. Mm-hmm. I, I'm struggling to remember them because I can't really remember them because I was just kind of lost in the vibes. Gotcha. That's what Bramble Blast does for you. And then quick question, who's your favorite animal buddy? Animal, oh, that's a good question. That's uh, Rambi, On Guard, uh, Squitter, Radley, and Squawks. And also Quawks, I- but... I think Squawks was my favorite to play as. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think my favorite just as a character, probably, um, it's on, on guard, right? Yes, the no. swordfish, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like the little swordfish. I don't know why. I like his design. He's a fun little friend. He's great. And I hope the next Donkey Kong games brings those guys back. Like, Rambi's great, but, like, there's more. Yeah, I do, too. And, like, I love Rambi. I do, but... Part of what made that platform was so dynamic was that you had all these animal buddies that were presenting vastly different ways of approaching levels, and that was awesome. Mm-hmm. To go on a side, big negging for me is that the side Kongs tend to be take the place of the animal buddies in Tropical Freeze, and that disappoints me. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Because th- that's a disservice to both them as full characters, as well as to the animal buddies who should Especially get since there's so much overlap between so many of them yeah like, in terms of like controlling through levels why would you ever use diddy over dixie yeah no that's the big one but yeah solid game and with that i think that wraps up everything video game related 2021 unless you want to go on a tangent about arcane because again that's the best video game thing that happened for lately arcane was really good like shockingly 
Uh, I'm not interacting with any other part of the Runeterra universe, because that's also a bad company. Oh god, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. Yeah, but, really. but god, that was good. It's so nice to see a show with infinite budget. Right? Like, they can just... That was in development for, I think, like, six years? I believe Something it. Something like that? To a point that, like, they were able to, like, add, like, hints of what's to come throughout, like, League Champion interactions that, like, built up to something greater in here. Like, as great as Arcane is, like, when you realize that, like, I'm not gonna spoil things for viewers, but there is a, there is a champion that the show hints at becoming another champion through little things like, this was his theme when he was added to the game. Little interactions that he has with other characters that point like, oh, wait, no, this... That's that's that person. Oh my gosh! And it's 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 so the world feels so realized. There's so much thought put into it that make everything fit together perfectly. Every character is well human. I, I know. I don't. I don't think there's a single character that you look at. Like, I don't understand why you did that because everybody is written like like a like a person. I totally agree. Silco is one of the most engaging villains. That I instantly go, yes, you. You're a traditional villain, and I like everything you're doing. I, I, I'm trying to I have to avoid gushing because I, 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 this is another one of those cases that I do genuinely care about spoilers because I genuinely had that good of a time with this show. No, I feel that. Like, I was enjoying the show, and then episode three hit. And it, it just the, just completely sidelines with you. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, no. It, it wasn't just, oh, okay. Those. I went, oh, no. And if you get me to feel that, if you get me to go off of my shitty high horse analytical brain of going, yes, this is very well realized, and go, oh no, I like them. And that's episode three! It is! It grows from there! So, something I can't praise this show enough, I, I'm playing through Metroid Other M right now, just for an upcoming video. Okay. And it just hurts me how poorly that game handles, like, mental trauma. Seeing Arcane just, like, not only explore it, but, like, make you feel just how much that hurts. Like, characters try to help characters, and they misunderstand and make it worse. Yes. I can't believe the, this show has the balls to do that, and it's a, it's amazing. Wait, you don't think it would be better if uh, Jinx sat there and went, Her name was Vi. It was because of her violet hair but also no. because of her violent <laughs> tendencies. But I saw them in a different way. If you flip over the characters of Vi, you get IV. She was like my IV, <laughs> my lifeline. <laughs> yeah, there's no heavy-handed bullshit like that at all. It's just characters being real and, like, communicating, like, the amount of body language and just, like, telling a story through actions is wonderful. That one of the best fight sequences I've ever seen is in the, um, episode 7. I, I hope you know what you're talking about. It's yes. two, um, childhood friends. And it's just like, god, not only is it just impeccably animated, I've never seen anything like that in anything. I know. But the amount that you be able to get so much history through that interaction without saying a word. Well, no, Jinx says something at the beginning of it, but just, it punches you in the gut so many times with just expression. It's so freaking well made. Arcane retroactively almost makes League a tolerable game. That shouldn't be possible. League is an awful experience to go through. 
the only improvement I can ask for is please add Tom Kench. I like him. <laughs> Smiley yes. face. And like, like they legit might do that. That's the best part of this. Like there's, they did so much, but there's so much more that could be done. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like they're just like, they just struck gold and there's a giant vein underneath that. And I, I hope, I hope that the executives at that company don't see that and try to rush it to get more of it. The yes. reason this worked was because so much time and effort was put into it. Please don't ruin it. Please. <sighs> Yo, video game good. Video games are good. This is a fun conversation. Well, Thanks well, no, for having video me. Video games are bad, but video game? Video game good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, indeed, indeed. But yeah, no, it is my absolute pleasure. I'm glad to just talk about video games. I like them. Yeah, it, it's fun to share experiences. Like, I, th- I think... I'm actually pretty excited to see, like, the comment section of this. Like, sh- please share, like, what... doesn't have to be 2021, just what did you play this year? Yeah, just What, what stuff- stuck out? Why did you stumble on these little gems, and, like, what did they mean to you? S- yeah, stuff that you liked. Uh, tell me how wrong I am about Shimigami Tensei, and how right I am about Disco Elysium, and how sold you are on that game, and other I'm- things, I guess. I'll, I'll, I'll read them. I don't care. Yeah, it, it's, it's a fun time of that, about this time of year, just, like... Like, Game Awards is about to be in, like, two hours. I can't wait to see, like, what gets announced there and just what to look forward to in the future. <laughs> I can. Yeah, I'm sure. But I... <laughs> there, there's... I like the cringy showmanship. It's a guilty pleasure. Uh, I'll, I'll see when the director of It Takes Two is on, and I'll go, yes. And then Reggie will come on, and I'll go, yes. And then I will mute the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, thanks for having us, guys. Uh, we'll get... I know this people might be expecting the uh, the tier list stuff. We'll get to that soon. Don't worry. Define uh, we soon. Had a, well, the, the, there's two soons. We'll probably get to the finishing the character tier list eventually. That's complicated because there's a stage list that took seven hours. To seven and a half, I think. Seven and a half. So, like, understandably, we're kind of putting that off. Yeah, <laughs> I got really we'll, tired at the end. There's a bit that I think is funny, but that's not worth the rest of it, so, you know. Yeah, it, 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 it's an entertaining video, but the entertainment value of it shifts for different reasons as the video goes on. <laughs> yes. But yeah, we'll, we'll get around to those some point. Don't worry, this, this isn't a sign that those aren't coming. We're just, we just wanted to, to, to reminisce a bit. Yeah. And thank you all for joining us for doing that. Yes. Thank you very much for entertaining us for not talking about Smash Brothers for once. <laughs> and until next time, guys, I hope you had a good 2021, and I hope you're all looking forward to things coming in the future. Yep. Thank you, guys. Adieu. Farewell.